1: How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital
3: scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, kia ora, good morning, welcome to Friday. How good does that
4: feel? Uh, end of the week and uh, man, what a big weekend of sport we have coming our way. A weekend that goes all the way uh, to about just after 5 o'clock on Tuesday, you'd have to say, given uh, we've got the Melbourne Cup on the way. Coming up on the show, John Davidson. He's uh, an Australian rugby league reporter based in the UK. He's there covering... The Rugby League World Cup covers Super League as well. He's going to join us. Uh, We're also going to catch up with Sean Gill. He's been the operations manager at the Phoenix for a long time. He just took on a new role as of yesterday. It was announced he is the director of football. We'll talk about that new role and what it means. Uh, we'll announce our caller of the month as well, who's going to win that Master Built Gravity Series 560 Digital Charcoal Grill and Smoker, we'll do that before 10 o'clock, we'll also have a multi for you, team multi today, Uh, Logan, Brian and myself each taking a leg on that one, after 10 o'clock, SENZ's Head of Racing, Shane Cuthbert is going to join us, we are going to talk the big weekend of racing ahead of the Melbourne Cup, the panel today, Aidan McLaughlin, James Regan, we'll talk All Blacks, Black Ferns, T20 World Cup and more Uh, and then after 11 Sam by the way He's a uh, rugby journalist out of the UK, covers the women's game, uh, also hosts a podcast on women's rugby as well. He's going to join us after 11. We'll catch up with Dave Fay here, greyhound trainer out of uh, Canterbury as well. And we have a $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs with Stump. We'll finish things off catching up with Mick Guerin on Harness Racing. So all of that and more to come between now and midday. You're on SENZ, it is mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy while he's away at the T20 World Cup. Joining us now out of the UK is an Australian in exile, uh, John Davidson, rugby league journalist, writes for League Express, League Hubcom as well. He's got the Buy the Balls podcast, uh, there's nothing this man doesn't do when it comes to rugby league. G'day Johnny D, how are you? very well thanks mate how are you yeah good mate and you would be uh, loving having the uh the rugby league world cup in your own backyard it being the focus uh, haven't been up there for a while mate how, how's it been embraced in the north of england
5: yeah it's been fantastic it's been a very very busy time uh game after game we've got we've got two nights off at the moment so a bit of a breather and then um straight back into it with the kiwis on friday night and uh, a lot of matches on saturday and sunday so yeah it's been a A feast of rugby league and some fantastic games, great atmospheres. Um, Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the the outlook's been positive.
4: Mate, the Kiwis are getting underway on Friday night, as you mentioned, your time, Saturday morning, our time, uh, their last pool game when they take on the Irish. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how that game plays out, um, uh, mainly because of who the Kiwis have selected. Jerome Hughes, first game of the World Cup. Dylan Brown is in there I thought they might rest him for this one given he's had an injury issue and Jared Wairia Hargrove's making his first appearance as well.
5: Yeah, they've um obviously had a few few players out with injury and suspension, so keen to give them a run, I think. Um and look, uh yeah, it's a must-win game for Ireland, but um I think it'd be the you know the upset of all upsets if uh if the Irish can beat the Kiwis. They've looked very good against Lebanon and Jamaica and they're just firming for the top spot in their group, and I a like the final against
4: CG. Well, wow, mate, you say about the Irish with the upset of all upsets. I mean, they did just beat the English cricket team at the Cricket World Cup. Um, not that I imagine <laughs> that you, you're talking about that too much with your uh, your English friends down the pub.
5: No, I only, I only just caught that on the uh, on the radio this morning, and I, I must admit I did have a chuckle.
4: <laughs> it, it, it's, it's funny, isn't it? There's nothing we love more, Australians and Kiwis, than the English cricket team losing. Maybe except the English That's rugby team losing. That's right.
5: Yeah, exactly. Basically, England losing, I think, just is generally quite fun to uh, to watch. But um, no, I think I think New Zealand would be will be far far too strong. Um, they look very impressive against Jamaica, obviously. You know, a minnow, but but even um, against Lebanon, who you know they showed their class of the week uh, beating and You know, they've got Mitchell Moses and, and Adam doing some really good players. I think uh, the Kiwis are looking looking pretty tidy.
4: The uh, Kiwis. Now that Jerome Hughes is back, obviously Dylan Brown is playing six. What does it mean, do you think, for Kieran Foran going forward?
5: Yeah, I, th- I, I think yeah, his utility value is very handy as a as a bench player. But I th- I imagine that the um, the top halves uh, partnership there is Brown and Hughes. I think that they're probably the the best halves that New Zealand have got. And um, putting putting Manu, uh, obviously at fullback, but um, Nickle had a had a great game against Jamaica as well. Uh, which any the Zalesniak, I think it was four tries. So there's there's a lot of options
4: there for Mudge, and that's exactly what you want. Options galore, and I tell you, uh, Ronaldo Molitano. Uh, you've seen him, you know, on telly for the uh, for the Sharks in the NRL. But man, that boy's got some toe. I'd, I'd go as far as to say, and this is from a Manchester United fan. He's now the good Ronaldo.
5: <laughs> yeah, he's having a great tournament as well. Um, you know, there's been a number of wingers who have. We've been catching a lot, um, Arno Carr, another one, but um, Lutano is, is definitely um, enjoying himself over in England. Yeah, no, he's going great guns, mate. We should talk
4: about the hosts. Uh, we have said that we like to see England lose. We've, we've said that uh, openly in this, in this interview already, but it's not going to happen in the group stages, is that They've uh, smashed Samoa, uh, too good for the French. They've just got the, Greece, uh, the Greeks to come, and you'd think that'll be a, a second-string England team, and they'd rest everybody up for that quarter final.
5: Yeah, they will they're, they're going to rotate their squad and, and obviously it's going to be a, a big score for on the Greece who have you know they've been brave and valiant but but obviously you know they've they're a mixture of, of full-timers and part-timers and you know their first world cup it's uh that's a pretty big ask but um no England have, England have been fantastic I mean that first opening score on Samoa putting 60 points on them I think that shocked everyone uh, even England fans and then uh, you know pretty accomplished against Greece uh, sorry against France In in round two, so it's looking like if you know things go the way, it'll be uh, a quarter final against PNG, and you know PNG won't be uh, pushovers.
4: They won't be actually. I mean, I tell you the team that I think has really punched above what I expected, and maybe this says something towards uh, how good Tony Edo is as a coach is is the Cook Islands. I mean, they came from behind to beat Wales. They took the lead against PNG and really pushed PNG the whole way.
5: Yeah, they have. I, I, I mean, they've got a, a pretty handy team on paper. You know, a lot of NRL, a lot of uh, Super League experience. But obviously, they, you know, they don't have a lot of funds. They don't get together very often. They don't play a lot of games. So they've been, yeah, they've been impressive. I mean, they they've got Tonga next up. Obviously, they have to win um, if they are to go through. And I think that's going to be, uh, even though Tonga haven't really caught a light yet, I think that's going to be uh, uh, a match too far for them. But they can definitely, um, you know, hold their heads. High and you know, pushing PNG Wales. It's been a good tournament so far
4: for them. It's been a very good tournament for them. I, I have been uh, following you through the World Cup on Twitter, just uh, seeing uh, your takes on things. And uh, one of them was that uh, you know Tonga really crying out for a halfback. I mean, I I think they're better placed now than they have been in the past with playmakers, but it, it is still the weakness, isn't it?
5: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, they really against um, against uh, Wales. You know, they—they. They, uh, I think it was an attitude thing. They just, you know, they thought they were going to rock up and win. And Wales, you know, they've—they've been really, really impressive uh, in both their games. Even though, you know, they've got League One uh, part-timers and you know, barely even any—even any Super League players in the team. But they're just being committed. They've competed on every play. And and Tonga just sort of lacked a bit of a bit of direction, a bit of game management. They looked like they were trying to offload in every tackle and go sideways. They just really needed. Um, someone to kind of direct them around the field. So it's going to be interesting. Obviously, Tom Malala hasn't played a game yet. Um, he's been suspended, so he'll come back in the team. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see the, the Tonga that we've seen in, in 2019 and in 2017 sort of come alive in these in these later stages. It looks like they'll play Samoa in the quarterfinals. And obviously, there's a, there's a fair rivalry there. So um, that could be a beauty.
4: Yeah, it could be. It could be. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say you've been a bit disappointed uh, with the Welsh at this tournament. And they've been, you know, they've, they've had good moments, but they just haven't had consistency.
5: Well, to be honest, I, I look at the last World Cup, the last two World Cups, they haven't won a game. Uh, and I thought they'd be absolutely flogged. Um, you know, they were in a very tough ball And I thought they'd get decimated, much like Scotland have. But they've been very credible. Um, John Keir has done a, a great job um, and you know they were, they were leading against the Cook Islands they were leading against Tonga they've not conceded uh, a huge amount of points and um, I think they can really hold their heads high I mean it's just unlucky perhaps in that opening game against the Cooks that they um, didn't hold on for a win because I think it would have been deserved
4: Yeah and it would have uh, made life really interesting for that last group game against PNG
5: Yeah definitely I mean I think the Coombles they, they, they pushed Tonga all the way um, you know Look like they. I think they deserved the draw. They, they conceded the, the winner with three minutes left, and you know they they were sort of up and down against the uh, the Cook Islands. So they'll be looking to to put and do a number on uh, Wales and get into the quarterfinals themselves because they're they're a team with a lot of potential and a lot of talent, um, and obviously you know a rugby league mad nation in there in, in PNG. Going back
4: to Group A, England obviously got that sewn up. Uh, Summer France is the decider. I mean, it's hard to hard to see where Samoa are at. I mean, they they got absolutely flogged as you already mentioned in the opening game, and then they beat Greece as expected, and maybe didn't make, even put enough, as many points on them as expected. So it's ha- quite hard to know where Samoa is set. Are you confident that they have enough to get past France and and get out of the group?
5: I think they will. I think um, you make a good point. They've they're probably. You know they're, they're always expected um, to beat Greece, and you know they, in, in, at points in that game they look really, um, really good. Uh, Jerome Luai directing things. Um, obviously, they've got you know stars across the field, but but France will be a good test for them. I think France have have improved from the last World Cup. You know Trent Robinson is, is there as a as a coaching director, and I think he's having a good influence. But I still think Samoa just you know with the the size of their forwards, you know the the talent that I can draw, not only the outside backs, but just right across the, you know, from ones thirteen, um, they should have too much in the tank. Um, but they, yeah, they they need to perform. They were they were dreadful in that opening game, and I think there's a lot of people wondering how Matt Parrish still has a job because he's been in charge for a Samoa for a long, long time, and they've they've really done nothing uh, during his tenure.
4: Mm, yeah, I mean, there, there were other candidates for the job, and I, I think we've talked about it. Jeff Tuvey's in that in the back room. There, are, uh, there was some rumours there might be a bit of a mutiny, and Tuvey might end up coaching this team.
5: Yeah, they've got they've got a huge coaching staff. They've got you know Lee Rhodes from Castleford. They've got Daniel Holdsworth. They've got Tuvey. Um, there was obviously a, an incident with Willie Poaching in the other week, um, who you know came into training and then was told he had to leave. So there was a bit of drama there, and obviously before the tournament. Um, you had the Johns brothers and, and Sonny Bill Williams putting their hands up to get involved. So, you think the raw materials, just you know, with the with the players, are there for Samoa? They just really need to, to put it all together. And um, you know, this France game will be an indicator. And then if they play Tonga, you know, that's uh, that's another massive challenge. So, it, you know, it's in their own hands, I guess.
4: Well, we haven't spoken about the elephant in the room, John. Um, the kangaroos. Uh, they've got the Italians uh, <laughs> last in their group, but uh, no doubt they'll they'll finish top. And uh, it looks very much like there will be a New Zealand uh, Australia semi final. What have you made of Mel's men and and how they've gone and what he's done with the team?
5: Yeah, just on that semi final, I think people are you know the appetite's already wetting for that game at Ellen Road. That you know hopefully sell out and could be the uh, the game of the tournament. But no, I, I think the Kangaroos have been you know I guess unsurprisingly in some ways, but. Considering they hadn't played since 2019, and that was a that was a loss to Tonga at Eden Park, they've they've looked really good. They've you know they're they're here. They mean business. Um, they made short change in Fiji, and then just you know the number they put on Scotland. Um, it had been raining all day. The conditions were atrocious, atrof- atrof- I should say, if I can get that out. Uh, but they didn't make a mistake. You know, 84 points. You know, more than a point a minute. And um, I don't know if you saw the tries, but you know, some of the. Some of the play and just the way they move the ball, it was it was pretty special. Um, you know, Josh had a car is after a tough year at the Doggies, is really enjoying um, playing with the quality of, of players in Australia
4: I tell you what, yeah, I mean Brad Fittler must have been watching that game, going, "Oh, I could have done with him at Origin."
5: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he was unlucky to miss out at Origin because he's never let New so Wells down, and he's he's definitely doing the same uh, for Australia. You know, Nathan Cleary coming on and you know scoring twenty eight. Twenty-eight points on debut gives Mal a bit of a, a, a dilemma there. With um, you know, does it go with DCU, Does it go with Cleary to, to partner Munster? So, good problem for Mal to have. But um, yeah, they've they've looked like uh, they're here to retain the trophy, and they'll be very tough to beat.
4: Yeah, I guess it's a, a juggling act for Mal. Do you go with a guy uh, with with a combination, the Queensland combination, or do you go with a guy that's the best in his position?
5: Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, they they obviously they've they've got that um. Partnership with Origin for a few years, uh, and it's it's been very successful. But you look at what Nathan Cleary's done in the NRL with Penrith the last two seasons. Um, you know he's he's an outstanding player. So um, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting choice for that semi-final. Who he who he goes with.
4: Yeah, I'll be, uh, we'll be. We're we'll looking forward to that, mate. Uh, just a couple of things uh, off the field. Um, there's, there's been a bit of criticism, particularly mainly on social media, and particularly in this part of the world, about the Rugby League World Cup and about it being too one sided in the group games. Maybe they need to have a play in before they get to this this side, uh this this uh, point in the tournament, so we don't end up with eighty four nil score lines. Uh, what's your take on that?
5: Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I think it's, it's a part of it's a part of world cups it's a part of, part of growing the um the game i mean i i had a had a quick look at you know the 2019 and 2015 rugby union world cups and you had similar score lines you know when the all blacks were playing canada and the united states and um, you know these sort of these sort of countries uruguay um, you know against south africa and australia and you do see you know 60 70 50 points put on uh, i think that's just part of part of a world cup um you know and if we you know i think i think tonga came in 20 to 30 years ago and um you know got beat 70 nil and if if we got rid of them then you know where would tonga be now they wouldn't be beating australia and great britain and the kiwis would they so i think this is just part and parcel of of growing the sport and you know you look at what um you know people are doing in jamaica in greece and actually growing the sport um you know the Rugby league was banned in Greece up until July. <laughs> you know, people were getting arrested for playing the game, and you know they've got a they've got eight domestic players, and they're not they're not just a heritage heritage team. They're they're really you know putting an effort to, to grow the sport there. So I think it's a fantastic achievement, and they should be applauded and supported. And you know, hopefully in, in World Cups to come, they'll be a lot more
2: competitive. Good stuff, Johnny. Go well, mate. Enjoy the rest of the World Cup. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. A voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
6: The countdown to the Australian Open is on. It's time to talk tennis with Smithy. Oh. Game, set, match. Experience the best of the Australian Open and the best of Melbourne with AO Travel. Visit ozopentravel.com.
4: Yeah, and all the signs are pointing towards Novak Djokovic being able to be at this Australian Open, which is great news. Uh, Novak has said that he's been given positive signs that he's going to be allowed to enter Australia and compete in the Aussie Open in January, despite that three-year visa ban. Uh, he was, of course, banned and had their, uh, deport, uh, deported as well uh, due to causing civil unrest, is what they said, and being a talisman of the anti-vax sentiment. Um, but he said the indications were unofficial at the moment. Uh, he said, "I like, I hope to have an answer in the next few weeks, whatever that answer might be. But of course, I'm hoping for a positive one so that I have enough time to prepare uh, prepare for the start of the season if that start is going to happen in Australia. I really want to go there. I am over what happened this year. I just want to play tennis. It is what I do best. Australia has always been a place where I have played my best tennis and the results speak for themselves. So I'm always extra motivated to go there, this time even more, so I'm hoping for a positive answer. So there you go. Hopefully uh, we will see Novak Djokovic at the next uh, Australian Open. Of course, uh, that... Ban was imposed by the Australian government but that government has changed since then so it will be interesting to see if the this government uh, will approach it differently and I'll tell you what that is good news uh, for the Australian open and just for tennis in general i think you want to see the best players playing at the biggest tournaments in the Australian Open being the first slam of the year is exactly that. It is uh, 27 past 9 we've got live champ- uh, I was say Champions League I, I wish as a United fan, I wish it was live Champions League, no uh, it is a live Europa League. I can tell you Manchester United fans uh, that are listening that United are 2-0 up at home against Sheriff bowl and uh, that is looking good for them to progress into the next round. What they really need to do though Manchester United is they need to make sure they top the group over Rails. Sociedad. Now they've still got to play Sociedad in the last round uh, but that's in Spain. Sociedad in the first game at Old Trafford won won 1-0 and that was was a tight game and they got a a lucky penalty I think you would call it but they still got the points on the board so United have it all to do. They need for Sociedad to drop some points somewhere It's not going to be today. They're currently in Cyprus, and they are 2-0 up against uh, Ammonia Nicosia. uh, But they do play each other on the last round. Now, the way it works is if you finish top of the group in the Europa League, you go straight through to the round of 16. If you finish second in your group, you have an extra playoff round because all the teams that are finishing third in their Champions League groups drop down into the Europa League. And so the teams that are second in their groups have to play off against a team from the Champions League. Uh, to make it through to the round of 16. Now, some of the teams uh, that will be there in that uh, jumping uh, dropping down from the Champions League, probably Juventus uh, will will probably be there, you've got to say. Uh, it looks like well Barcelona are definitely going to be there. Atletico Madrid are going to be there. Uh, so definitely one you want to avoid if you can. Uh, other results at the moment as they stand with about 20 minutes left. Jose Mourinho's Roma. Uh, Lead in Helsinki against HJK. And uh, that's probably the other big game that is going on at the moment. Earlier today, we saw Arsenal lose in uh, Holland. They lost to PSV Eindhoven by two goals to nil as well. We'll keep you up to date with the final scores as they come through. Still to come this hour, we're going to announce our Caller of the Month uh, to win that Masterbuilt Gravity Series 560 Digital Charcoal Grill and Smoker. We'll also have our TAB multi for the weekend. It's going to be a team effort today. Brian's got a leg, Logan's got a leg, I've got a leg. We'll give you that before 10 o'clock as well. And after the latest in news and sport, We're going to catch up with Sean Gill. Now, Sean has been at the Phoenix for quite some time. He was uh, operations manager for the longest time, but they've had a restructure and they have a new position there called director of football. And Sean Gill is going to be the club's first ever director of football. We'll chat with him after the latest in news and sport with Araha Hathaway, which is right now. 28 away from 10 here on SENZ mornings with Ian Smith Ricardo in for Smithy uh, this weekend. The Phoenix are away to Melbourne City. The Tabletoppers three games, three wins, and looking pretty solid. That is a Sunday evening New Zealand time around a seven o'clock kick off. The Phoenix have had a bit of a restructure uh, in the way that they are doing. They're running the football club, and long-serving operations manager Sean Gill has a new job. He is now going to be the director of football for the Wellington Phoenix. What does that mean? Well, we're about to find out because Sean Gill joins us now. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. Uh, and uh, a bit of a change for you. You've a long-serving long operations manager at the Wellington Phoenix, but uh, you've got a new role at the Phoenix as the club's director of football. Um, how does that change things for you?
0: Yeah, so it uh, look it's probably uh, yeah the evolution of the club and you know, now being back on uh, New Zealand shores and having a women's team here and a men's team and and sort of now reconnecting all back with the academy. So, you know, as far as uh, as far as my role, it sort of probably takes a little bit of the day-to-day operational stuff out of it, and you know allows you to focus uh, more on some of the strategic goals and, and the longer-term sort of thinking and planning uh, of all the various. Football,
4: football departments. Yeah, I mean, I guess with the women's team involved now, there's there's three teams really, isn't there? With the Reses who play in the National League and uh, and the first team, the men's first team now, the women's first team as well. I mean that that job will be uh, quite encompassing. I, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean it's uh you know, it was it was a difficult couple of years for us sort of being uh spread all over the place and then, you know, the first inaugural season of the women's last year, then based on Wollongong and the the men in Chatswood. Um, you know, and, and it's great to have everyone back, uh, in the one place and you know, we can't wait for the for, for the first women's, you know, professional Phoenix game uh in Wellington on the twentieth of November. It's gonna be a cracking occasion. But um yeah, it's, uh, you know, the club, when I first started, we had a men's first team, and we were sort of fittering around with uh, Team Wellington at that stage with the Football School of Excellence, and, you know, now we've got a, a men's team, a women's team in the professional ranks, the reserve team, and then under the reserve team, there's uh, four other teams in the academy, and, you know, growth in the girls' space next year, with hopefully two to three teams coming there. So, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's 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 become a proper football club now which is which is fantastic
4: yeah i mean so the the director of football i i hear that title and i think about what i know about overseas clubs and i think okay so you talk uh, you know the director of football talks about the direction of the club the way the club plays recruitment for the club all of those sort of things is is am i on the right track here of what that means for you as well
0: yeah yeah look it 's probably not quite a European director of football you know it's it 's not necessarily going to be up to me to tell uh you know orffy uh, or nat uh how they 're going to play or, or what they 're going to play you know but it's probably more taking a longer term view towards some of our recruitment you know more so you know making sure that we 're picking up the best kids into the uh into the academy both in the in the in the girls and boys space you know and then being able to bring them through into the first team and then Or if not, bringing them into the first team, you know, being able to put them into places overseas. And if we do come into the first team, then being able to make some sales off them, you know. So that's probably more of the focus. Uh, And then, you know, we, we also want to get to the point where. Um, we do have the best working with the best in the academy, you know, and with that requires more funding, you know, so how are we going to get that funding, where's that funding going to come from in terms of non-league streams in the academy so it's, it's probably a little bit more of that um, you know uh, and you sort of, you, you let the coaches you know, play, play the way they see it best
4: Yeah, let the coaches coach and, and you do the rest Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned there, you know, I mean, getting players, developing players, potentially selling players on. Libby Kikarche, Sarpreet Singh, two great examples of that. Um, you, the Phoenix have got their own academy. Of course, the Ole Academy is quite famous as well. That's down in your part of the country. There's winners around. I know there's a there's a good academy in, in Christchurch as well. I mean, what's the relationship like at the moment with all of those academies? And is that something that you'll look to do to, to sort of maybe not bring them under the phoenix umbrella but at least uh, you know sort of have some sort of uh, partnership or relationship with them
0: yeah look we we're, we're always we're always looking to do what we can in the in the in the um you know, amateur space you know whether that's working in with those other academies or whether that's you know working in with uh, other clubs around the country and other clubs within New Zealand or well, within Wellington to help bring that talent through uh, at that sort of under 13 and below level, Uh, you know, that is going to be a key focus for us Um, you know, we can't supply all the coaches, you know, so it's probably a a bit more of coach to coach working and trying to upskill the coaches and, you know, maybe give them some of our best practice and and hopefully that rubs off, Um, but you know, we had winners uh, uh, down using the fantastic training facility at NZCIS last week and, you know, we were having chats with uh, Winton and Talking to them about what he's doing and that, so yeah, the relationships are, are good there, and, and you know, part of this role will be trying to figure out how we can help the whole of the game.
4: Yeah, I mean, football fans are passionate, right? They love their sport. Uh, they want the Wellington Phoenix to do well, but as a result, often they get um, they, they get emotional about things, and you know, you, you see particularly on social media, um, you know, why isn't the club signed this player? Why isn't the club signed that player? I saw a little bit of that around when Alex Grieve broke into the Saint Marin first team, right? Uh, but you can't. Uh, sign everybody right Um, so what would you say to those fans that maybe see players like Alex Greve pop up overseas
0: yeah look it's you know the development's not a straight line you know you don't sort of it's not you, you, you see someone at sort of 10, 11, 12 and then they're automatically going to go through this funnel and go the way you think, you know, so there are some players that, you know, potentially weren't uh, on the radar of our coaching staff at those younger ages that have sort of gone on to develop, I think, with someone like Alex you know, he went over to the States and did well in the state system and, and then picked up the contract from there, so it's, you know it's not an exact science uh, and that will be part of the remit to, to 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 see how we can make it more of an exact science and pick up you know a lot more of the better players um, but, you know, I think back to Probably show my age <laughs> when John Kerman got in the All Blacks, right? Mm. Yeah, he was coming from Division Three rugby and stuff like that. So it's not, it, as I say, it's not an exact science. You, you don't always get it right. Um, but I think of, of late we're getting more of the, more and more of them right. You know, and if I look at the the last uh, Under Nineteen OFC qualifiers, I think we had twelve uh, out of that that squad. You know, so so we're heading in the right direction.
4: There's obviously a big education uh, part of this when you're dealing with younger players as well. Um, I think you've got a relationship with Scots College, and I know that as at St Margaret's as well for for the women's side. So that academy players you do sign, you know they have a school to go to and and all of that sort of thing. What about the next step from there? Often we talk about you mentioned it with Alex. Um, we see a lot of our our football fans have, have gone this path as well that they end up playing college football in the US. Is is that something that you also look towards? partnering with with somebody on that side of uh, that's part of the world around that as well in tertiary education.
0: Yeah, so look we we've uh, we've currently got a, a a very good relationship with the AUT here in New Zealand. We do have a program that we're running in conjunction with them for the ones that are coming out of school uh, that give them a, a sort of a, a, a pre-degree type course in sports management. It allows them to do a little bit of coaching, which then allows them to get back into the community and coach some of the younger kids as well. And you know they get they get uh, credits for that. We are looking to try and move that into a degree paper, uh, so so that work is underway. I think we might have 20 in that in that cohort this year uh, doing that that study. So you yeah, know, that's critical for us because it's not just about You know, uh, developing uh, the player—it's about developing the person, educationally, socially, you know, mental mental skills and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it is—it's a critical thing for us. Uh, Moving out to NZCIS opens up a few other schools out this way to work with. So, yes, it's definitely something we is front of mind.
4: Yeah, I mean, the, the role that you have is about evolving. I mean, the, the role will evolve, but the club will also evolve, right? And, 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 and grow and grow and, and maybe in different ways we don't see now. But I mean, how are you set up at the moment? I mean, do you have like a one year plan, a five year plan, a 10 year plan? And, and how does that work for you? What do you, what do you see the, the, you know, sort of down the road for the club?
0: Yeah, so I mean, look down the road for the club, we see we see the the, the girls' program, particularly in the academy space, mirroring the, the the boys' program. Same number of teams playing in the same sort of competitions and, and having that funnel to bring you know players through. Um, we we um oh it 's a tough question actually yeah t- <laughs> looking ten years <laughs> out, you know yeah, i guess one one of the key things for us too is is, is how are we going to help help the game you know it's yeah, we do what we do, but also if we are going to have better players coming through and and being more ready for you know the rigors of National League football or Central League football, and then onto A League football. We need to make sure that those players at you know under tens, elevens, twelves, thirteens, fourteens are getting the best possible programs they can. You know, so it's 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 probably about helping that and growing that base so that that base is really really big, and then we've got you know really talented kids that are coming through. Yeah, and then you know always winning an A League or or winning a uh, uh, sorry an A League men's or winning an A League women's is is you know part of that part of that longer term plan. Um, and then also, you know, getting the women's program to, to, to fully fully full time professional twelve months of the year. That's that's a big one for us. You know, at the moment they have a short shorter contract cycle than the men. So, you know, getting that equality there and you know, having those women you know being able to focus on football you know, 12 months of the year and not worry about other things is, is critical
4: as well. Yeah, good stuff, Sean. Well, listen, best of luck with, you, with your new role, a uh, changing role from ops manager to uh, what you're doing now, which is, you know, uh, a director of football role. Uh, I, I wish you all the best, mate. But before we let you go, we do have to ask, uh, when you were a kid, who was your teammate? Who do you support up in uh, Europe?
0: <laughs> Brenton, said, Brenton said this might be a good uh, good Topic for you and I When I was uh, five years old Back in the uh, early 80s I uh, got hooked on Man United Watching big league soccer So Norman Whiteside and, and guys like that that was, uh, that was my club and been my club ever since um, you're, you're a
4: good man Sean You're welcome
0: on the show anytime
2: <laughs> Awesome thanks for your time mate Appreciate it This is Mornings with Ian Smith On NZ.
4: It's 12 away from 10 here on Mornings with Ian Smith-Ricardo Ball. And for Smithy, while well, he's away at the uh, T20 World Cup. Speaking of the T20 World Cup, how impressive has Zimbabwe been? Just beat Pakistan by a run last night in Perth as well. That is uh, superb from them. Absolutely superb. Well done, Zimbabwe. Just about rules Pakistan out of doing anything more at that tournament, you would think, is only the top two from each group go through. But congratulations to them. Also, congratulations to our Caller of the Month. We... Uh, we're giving away all month here on SENZ a master-built Gravity Series 560 digital charcoal grill and smoker. And we had to go through all our callers through the month. And when we had really good ones, we'd send them through to our, our master-built people and go, what do you reckon, what do you reckon? Well, they came back to us, and they've said our caller of the month was Izzy from Monaco, And Izzy, congratulations to you, my friend a Masterbuilt Gravity Series 560 digital charcoal grill and smoker is all yours. Somebody from the uh, team here will be in touch with you about organising a delivery for you so congratulations to you sir Uh, hope that goes down well. Uh, Now we're going to continue on the Caller of the Month with Arbor Living uh, in the next month so for all the next month BSENZ's Caller of the Month to win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill You can tell what season's coming, can't you? You can tell what season's coming. It's all grillers and smokers. Yeah, there's another one. A uh, Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill could be yours for being Caller of the Month over the next month right here on SENZ. Uh, we're going to try and fill your beer fridge shortly. Uh, we've got a team multi that we're going to deliver to you next uh, that will be uh, we'll be able to chuck on at the TAB. Uh, producer Logan and Brian through the window as well have uh, both picked a leg each. I've got a leg and uh, hopefully uh, we can fill you your beer fridge this weekend stay tuned for that next
2: summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ you got to know when to hold
0: us know when to fold us know when to walk away when
7: to Bet live on your favourite sports Download the TAB app today
4: yeah, five away from ten. Time for uh, the team multi. Team multi today. Uh, Logan's got a leg. Ed, Brian's got a leg. I've got a leg. I'll start with mine. I'm going to go the NBA today. The Memphis Grizzlies, or to give them their full name, the St- Stephen Adams Memphis Grizzlies, are away in Sacramento playing the Kings. The Kings are 0-3 this season. Uh, the Grizzlies are 3-1. and uh, The Kings have played two, twice at home already this season, lost both of them. I'm going to go the Grizzlies to win. Uh, but I'm going to take the Grizzlies one to ten, given they're on the away court, uh, and one to ten is paying two seventy four. Logan, what do you think?
6: Yeah, I like it. I like it, and. On top of what is already an insane, massive weekend to come of sport with all the World Cups going on, there's also the World Series is about to get underway. Mm. Game 1 is tomorrow starting just after 1 o'clock our time. So I'm the, the odds have already changed since we first did this. Uh, the Phillies were paying, I think, $2.45. It's now dropped to $2.30. Uh, I'm picking them to win Game 1 against the Houston Astros My thinking around there, you're probably thinking, yeah, well, the Houston Astros are the favourites, right? But I'm looking at the pitching matchups. Justin Verlander hasn't done too great. Uh, ERA of 6.30 in his one start in the playoffs so far this year. So that's given up a lot of runs. So I'm hoping the Philadelphia Phillies can kind of keep their run going and uh, the Houston Astros will lose game one.
4: Yeah, okay. Bryce Harper hopefully uh, getting amongst the runs today for the Phillies. Uh, Brian, what about you, mate? Where's, where's your third leg?
0: Well, uh, I'm going Rugby League World Cup and uh, I'm going with the hectic cheese to snake a try most likely from hooker a couple of metres from the line uh, and that's paying $2.
4: Yeah, $2 against the uh, the Irish this weekend, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, if the Lebanese can put... How many did they put on Ireland? They put about 40 on Ireland, didn't they?
0: Yeah, no, they gave them a bit of a hiding and we kind of uh, had a bit of a... Well, not a struggle against them. They gave us a good game. But uh, it's, 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 you know, finals footy. Anything can happen coming up.
4: All right, Logan, so we've got uh, the cheese to score a try at two bucks. So what does that do to the multi-
6: well, Memphis Grizzlies uh, one to ten there two dollars sixty six. The Phillies to beat the Houston Astros two thirty, and then Hectic Cheese Brandon Smith anytime try scorer two dollars. The odds there twelve dollars twenty three. That's that uh, is, quite a kefty multi there.
4: That is tidy twelve twenty three. Get amongst it. That will definitely fill the beer fridge if that comes in today. You can bet live on your favorite sports. Just download the TAB app today. Uh, coming up. On the show uh, we've got uh, a whole lot more coming your way in the next hour including Shane Cuthbert, the SENZ Head of Racing. Uh, he's in Melbourne ahead of the big race on Tuesday but there's a whole bunch of racing action this weekend as well and uh, we are going to catch up with him in the next hour. It's going to be, m- m- maybe, maybe we might get some some more tips we might even be able to add to that multi. Uh, Logan, what do you reckon? Uh,
6: I mean, he would know a lot more than definitely more than myself maybe you I, I'm not good on my horse racing so don't ever come to me for tips I'll tell you that
4: yeah well you know to be honest out of the three of us Brian's the man because he produces the good oil right so he's the one that's going to know if anybody knows Brian?
0: Yeah, Mr. in the first <laughs>
4: <laughs> Mr. Head of the First, okay cool So Shane Cuthbert coming to us just after 10 the new SENZ Head of Racing uh, we'll do that, we'll have a look at the, all the racing action coming up this weekend uh, from Melbourne, also on the panel in the next hour, James Regan and Aidan McLaughlin are going to join me, uh, we're going to talk that All Black squad that's been named to play the Japanese with Roger Tui vasa to start in the twelve jersey, Stephen Petafetta to start in the fifteen as well, some interesting calls there the Black Ferns, of course, uh, take on the Welsh this weekend in the Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. Uh, T20 World Cup, big game tomorrow night, Australia versus England. Uh, sorry, tonight, I should say. And then tomorrow night, New Zealand, Sri Lanka. Rugby League World Cup, we'll talk about that. Luke Kerry's Island taking on the Kiwis. And the FIFA World Cup as well. We'll cover all of that. There's, uh, of course, a lot of uh, talk about Qatar's human rights record. The Socceroos have released a collective statement in protest of that. Uh, we'll talk a bit about that. We'll also get a TAB update from Pip Morris. Make sure you keep your texts coming through as well. Double eight, double what is it that you want to discuss today? The Tempa Bedpost text machine is double eight, double three. temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. So flick us a text through, double eight, double three. Maybe you've got a tip for the weekend as well that we can share out. The latest in news and sport right now with Aroha.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The
7: loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. (laughs)
4: There you go. Love racing update. Time for it. Uh, Shane Cuthbert joins us, the Head of Racing for SENZ. Uh, doing it tough in Melbourne. Uh, what a time to be in Melbourne for the Head of Racing for SENZ. Shane, good morning. How are you?
3: Morning, Ricardo. Great to join you, mate. It's uh, Yeah, I've timed this perfectly. Uh, coming to Melbourne for the Spring Carnival, the you know the the pinnacle of racing derby day tomorrow with uh, the Kiwis to the fore um, and then we roll on to Cup Day on Tuesday. Um, Yeah, it's it's an exciting
4: time to be here and good to join you. Yeah, yeah, mate. No, it's it's great to have you on. I mean, I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to racing, to be fair. I didn't grow up in it. I didn't have any family that were sort of, you know, followed it. So I don't really have the engagement that, you know, yourself or other people do. So maybe treat this as a bit of a racing for dummies for the weekend. Um, I'm aware of the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday, but I understand there are a couple of other big races this weekend. Can you talk us through what's going on?
3: For sure. There's... um... There's a real Kiwi flavour to the to Derby Day uh, here in Melbourne tomorrow, and it'll like it starts from from race one. You've got uh, Izzy Dag, obviously as a runner in the first, uh, by the name of Pungle. So um, if you're looking to to have a bet early and and pin your flag to a Kiwi, then there's there's no better start than that. And it's the favourite. It's got James McDonald on it. So um, you know he's James is obviously reached the, the the pinnacle of racing over here and he's he's just going from strength to strength he's you know mentioned in the same same breath as some some legends of the sport already and he's only you know he's only thirty years of age and he's ridden you know seventy two group one winners um he's he's a phenomenal talent so uh if you're looking to just approach it from a kiwi angle you can you can do that straight away in race one with uh with pungal and then throughout the rest of the day there's you know there's a host of New Zealanders that can uh that can make their mark like in the Derby, for example, uh, uh, Graeme Rogerson, he's a, a legendary trainer in New Zealand. Um, he is sharp and smart in the race, who's the favourite. Also ridden by James McDonald uh, and then Andrew Forsman, a young, uh, a young trainer who's really making his mark as well. Um, he was with Murray Baker previously, a, a Hall of Fame trainer, and he's out on his own now. He's, he's had a really strong uh, spring here in, in Melbourne, um, and he's got Mr Maestro, who's the third favourite. So they're... There's another one of the big races, um, and then La Creek, who is uh, another Kiwi horse, that's uh, the one uh, Group One during the Hastings Carnival. Um, she's she's she looks like a really really strong chance in the in the Empire Rose Stakes again. McDonald rides, so he rides six of the nine favourites on on Derby Day, which is just incredible because it's it's known as one of the the best days of racing in Australia on the Australian calendar. So him to, to have six of the nine favourites and uh, Le Creek looks like a really strong chance. Uh, Simon and Katrina Alexander train, train the horse um, and the second favourite's actually Andrew Forsman's lit, She's lickety split so that's just you go through the whole card; it's just it's just got Kiwi written all over it. So they, they're they really set up for a big day here in Melbourne tomorrow, Ricardo.
4: Yeah, mate, it sounds like it. I mean, I don't know what the record is for the number of races a jockey has uh, has won in a day at a at a carnival like that. But I mean, how far off the pace do you reckon you would be if you just backed all of the James McDonald's rides
3: and 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 threw them yeah. together? You couldn't be too far off it, I don't think. I mean, yeah, like I go through each race, and he's he's like he's not like I said he's on six of the six of the favorites. He's, riding one for Chris Waller in race two, um, or race one and two. He's obviously got a strong affinity with that stable. Chris Waller's another Kiwi legend, um, who we all know has made his mark in Australia for a long time now. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think you could be too far from the, from the money. If you, if you're following McDonald all day, uh, and then if you want to sort of, uh, look, look outside of that and you can, you can look to, to, to someone like Chris Waller who, who always takes strong, a strong team to the races, um, so yeah it's it's yeah it's it's phenomenal and for him to and he's just c- continuing the role like he's he's he obviously won last year's Melbourne Cup with very elegant and it's just seemed like for that he's just cleaning up all the big races you saw him win on animo in the Cox plate last week he's won you know the everest the previous year um yeah, you name it he's won it he's just a, he's a phenomenal talent uh and he's only young so he's got such a big career ahead of him um uh, and he's 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 on track to break all the records and go down as one
4: of the greatest. Uh, you mentioned Pungo, um, Izzy's horse. Now, Izzy's pretty much a hype man for this horse, so it's h- hard to get any perspective <laughs> on it, mate. Um, but from somebody yep. who, who is neutral, uh, as yep. a horse, Pungo, what you've seen, what do you think, what do you like, what, what do you think maybe the weaknesses are?
3: Uh, so for, for Pungo, so Chris, Chris Waller, has a, uh, he, he likes targeting this, race, this specific race, the Carbine Club, it's the first race on Derby Day. He's, uh, he, he generally has a strong chance in the race. So he obviously takes a couple, or oh, he's got three runners in the race uh, in Redina Lindeman, and Pungle. Uh, Pungle has come up as a favourite. Um, maybe it's on the back of all the hype that Izzy's sort of spread around, but um, he was a strong winner at his last start at 1,400 metres. Um, so he's, he obviously, ste- it's, a, it's a mile, so it's a 1,600 metre race. He stepped up in distance, but the, the rest of the field are relatively lightly raced as well. They've only had, you know, Sort of five starts, six starts max. So they're all sort of on on the upward trajectory. But um, he's obviously got the right recipe with Waller and McDonald, and he's drawn a an inside barrier, which which uh, at that you know in, in that stage of the carnival should shouldn't be shouldn't be a bad thing. So um, and he's uh, his win was on a, a heavy track. So we've had a fair bit of rain here in the past couple of days. It's sort of yesterday. It seemed to rain for all day, um, but the track is down as a soft seven, so that's, uh, that seems to be fairly good considering the rain we had. Um, looks a bit overcast here, but I think it's not, not meant to be too bad today, and then tomorrow's meant to be okay as well. So, uh, yeah, he shapes as a as a strong chance for uh, for Izzy and the team and, and Baz and, and all that. And I believe they'll be on track to, to celebrate or or even Kim is the right, but whatever whatever happens, um, they'll be in for a good day.
4: Yeah, they will be, mate. I, I, I've got to ask you, I mean, you uh, uh, you Aussies have got a, a habit of doing this, mate. How long before you're claiming James McDonald's one of your own?
3: I think that's already happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that's already happened. We'll, we'll do that. We'll claim Waller or anyone that's sort of, yeah, they're at the top of our game, so so they're ours now. But
4: <laughs> It started um, with Farlap you know, and it hasn't think, stopped.
3: Exactly, it goes. It's, there's a long, long line of it from racing, but I think those. I think it's great that both Waller and McDonald are, are pretty quick to remind people that they are Kiwis. They are, um, you know, that's what they. That's where they. They cut their teeth in racing. That's where they started. So they're. Um, they never forget that, and, and uh, that they remind. And, and I know Aidan Rodley from Trackside's pretty. He's pretty keen to stir things up in the Australian media when they, when they start to claim them. So <laughs> he keeps them honest.
4: Yeah, outstanding. Outstanding. All right, mate. Well what else is happening this weekend? What else is keeping your interest?
3: Um, so obviously after after Derby Day it's um it's it's all roads to the Melbourne Cup. So the Melbourne Cup barrier draw is conducted straight after the race day on on Saturday. Um and from there it's 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 Melbourne Cup parade on, on Monday where uh they they parade through the streets of Melbourne and then uh and then bit the big day on Tuesday where um as for, like you say, as from a if you're uh, looking at it from sort of a, a neutral perspective or a non-racing fans perspective, Melbourne Cup can be a little bit of a, a tough race to assess because you do get some form lines that you know they, they race overseas and they come here, so it's a bit of a bit of an uh, unknown for for uh, for racing fans. Even if you are a bit of a hardcore fan, you can sort of find it hard to line them up, but. Um, Obviously, we had to, some disappointing news for Chris Waller uh, with Durston, who was uh, the Caulfield Cup winner. He he was scratched. Um, they, there's, a, there's quite a stringent um, scans process that the Racing Victoria have put in place to to make sure that you know the safety of horses is, is paramount. So um, he didn't pass one of those scans. So that's disappointing for, for the Waller camp. Um, but uh, outside of that, it's yeah, it's, it is a. It looks like it's a it's a tough race to assess. Um, the favourites, Doval Legend, who is a European or a UK performed horse. Um, he's in the legend colours of uh, Classic Legend for the for racing fans that know him. an Everest winner? Bon Ho is the owner. Um, he looks like he's got a strong sprint on him. He's, he's got really. Uh, you can tie his form into a horse El Bogadon, El Bodogon rather, that raced in the uh, in the Cox Plate behind Animo and, and ran a really good race. So. There's a bit of a connection there. Um, he's sort of he's raced on and beaten him. Um, he looks like he's, he's a fast horse uh, over over a staying trip, so that's uh, that's obviously a, a good attribute to have if you can sprint um, in a staying race. And then I suppose outside of that, the, the McDonald rides a horse, or James McDonald rides the horse by the name of Loft, which um, is a is a well-performed 3200 meter horse, which is obviously key given the, that's the distance of the Melbourne Cup. Um, he's got a quick turn of foot. He looks like a compact kind of horse that can, you know, is pretty mobile mobile. Um and there was a bit of confidence from McDonald after he rode him on Tuesday morning and at, at track work at Flemington. So um and obviously it's like I said earlier, it's it's uh you can't go too far wrong following James. So he he's uh he'll have a lot of interest, no doubt. Um outside of that, the local chances I think, um, a horse like Montefilia, I think she's third or fourth favourite. Um She's trained by David Payne in Sydney. Uh, her Caulfield Cup run was really good. She was well back in the field, struck some trouble in the in the straight, and but she looked to to really get to the line strong. And her, her preparation looks like it's uh, it's sort of built or all, all, all been geared towards this race. So I think she can she can run really well. Um, and Gold Trip was a bit unlucky in the in the Cox Plate, um, and he 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 ran second in that in that Caulfield Cup that I mentioned with Montefilia. So. He can uh, he can definitely run well, but yeah, it's, a, it's, an, it's every year I, I find myself uh, finding it harder and harder to find the winner of this race. But um, and there's no very elegance in there this year, so yeah. Um, the the yeah, other
8: th-
4: so, the, the th- other thing I guess to look at, Shane, I'm just looking at the forecast. Uh, there's rain yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday and then on Tuesday there's thunderstorms forecast at this stage I know that can change because we're a fair way out so I mean the yeah. track is probably going to be a bit heavier does that favour do you think Northern Hemisphere horses?
3: Well they, yeah I mean it's, uh, I think the, the, the thing with Flemington is uh, it does it is a great draining track so I mean it, there's a little bit of rain around today it, I mean it, it did cop a good Good amount of rain yesterday and it and it's sort of you know held it well so i remember there was a, a melbourne cup of, oh it might have been three or four years ago where it, it was pr- properly raining on the day and and it it sort of once it cleared up it it, it bounced back really well so i mean if they don't get too much i, I can't anticipate it being like that, like a, in that really heavy range it might be it'll be rain affected obviously with with the amount of rain around just topping it up but um but as you say yeah, european horses do tend to tend to handle that those conditions so um if you are a bit of a novice and you're just looking for for in the form guide um it is it does state which horses have raced on on the certain conditions and you can kind of uh you can look at those that are raced on good soft and heavy and and how they performed previously so yeah, um, that can see. I can sometimes see in the right direction.
4: Well, I mean, if we've got showers, looks like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then Monday it's supposed to be heavier. Rain Tuesday mm. supposed to be uh, thunderstorms. Um, yeah. I'm no track expert, but I would assume that that means the track is probably going to be heavy by then. If that comes true, right?
3: Yeah, I suppose if they get if they get the the sort of five percent, I think it's rain on the race day. Rain on race day doesn't help either. Um yeah. obviously, as a, during the race day, as if the track sort of. Um, has been raced on and then it's raining, it, that, that means that it can, you know, deteriorate quicker. So, um, yeah, I think you'd be working on a rain-affected track, just just how rain-affected is, uh, is dependent on what actually what actually happens.
4: Yeah, it's a wait-and-see, wait-and-see approach. All right, mate. Yeah, hey, uh, before we let you go, uh,
3: uh, now yeah. I know that
4: you've had a little bit to do with the, the TAB in the past, uh, so I, I figure yeah. you've got a bit of a bookie insight here. What is the line, what's the over-under line for you for the amount of VBs that you might sink on Tuesday?
1: <laughs> oh, it's all all all, uh, all
3: professional for me. I'm I'm out there with Sen, so it's uh, yeah. It'll be it's definitely the take the unders. Take the, um, take the unders. Okay. I, I suppose it's it, it's depending on um, what time of day that is, whether it's through the race day or or afterwards, but. Yeah, through the race day, we'll go the unders. Go the
4: unders. All right, T- take the unders. Shane, <laughs> thanks very much for joining us, mate. Um, really appreciate you giving us some education ahead of uh, a big weekend of racing in Melbourne. And, uh, yeah, I know there's already texts coming through saying, get up, Pongo. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of support over here for it, mate. Go well. And I hope your beer fridge is full by the uh, by ch- by Tuesday afternoon too.
3: No, nah, thanks, Ricardo. Really appreciate you having me on and all the best to the punters. Good luck with any bets over the weekend and also on the Melbourne Cup. And, uh yeah, go the Kiwis on Saturday. They look like they're going to dominate.
4: Yeah, they do, indeed. Good stuff. Shane Cuthbert, the SENZ head of racing there with us out of Melbourne. It is 18 past 10 here on SCNZ. When we come back, it's time for the panel. I'm I, i I'm not sure, I think this must have been Ian Anderson uh, writing for stuff I absolutely love this uh, but it's understandable then that some teams may be praying for the rain to end or to fall on their rivals and not them as a number of surprise results coupled with the wet have made predicting the semi-finalists harder than staying on as the Prime Minister of the UK
8: <laughs> yeah and we We've had a few of those recently, I don't know maybe maybe it's more predictable with the u k at the moment that there's going to be a new prime minister. I'm not too sure but um yeah, i mean it's it, it's kept us all on on our toes, hasn't it really the weather um and just you know it's interesting, isn't it these these teams that actually qualify for the the super twelve stage they they kind of get into the tournament that a little bit earlier, don't they so mm. they they're kind of ready to go i mean yes. Uh, plenty of other teams have had plenty of, of warm-up matches. You know, England were over in Aussie for quite a while before the tournament, and we had the the tri series here. But when you're in the actually in the World Cup environment, and you you get going, and it's pretty much do or die, it just battle hardens you, a bit, doesn't it? So. Yeah, some interesting uh, scenarios building up. That's for sure.
4: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I was I was looking at that Sri Lanka match up that uh, the Australians had the other night and thinking, well, maybe this is a potential banana skin for the Aussies, given you know how how they had been travelling. But they got through that. Uh, but as a Black Caps fan, I mean, we've got history with Sri Lanka. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be writing them off, you know, despite the big win over the Aussies.
8: Oh no, not at all, not at all. And I think this is really now important that New Zealand, they're in the box seat despite that rained off game the other night. Um, they've got a really strong run rate. So they've just got to really kick on here and make sure there's no slip-ups because they're still going to play England. Uh, they're still going to play Ireland. Um, and, they, you know, they could very well lose one or both of those. I like to think they would they would beat Ireland. But England's probably a 50-50. Uh, so, yeah, they've just got to make sure of, of these next couple – this game against Sri Lanka just to keep on top of things. And also – make sure that they keep this advantage of the net run rate because that is effectively like an extra point at the moment for them.
4: Well, it is I mean the, the the rained out game against Afghanistan has done them no favors because I mean if there was a game that I was really confident that we would win in this group, it was against the Afghanis just because I don't think that they have any uh, en- enough firepower. I mean their bowling attack is quite good, but I just don't think they have the batting firepower to really challenge the black caps. so that was a disappointment because I think the Black caps would have been looking at banking those two points and really giving themselves a bit of a uh, you know a bit of a cushion.
8: Yeah, I, I started to get a bit worried the other night in case it came down to like a 5-0 a a hit and giggle because then it is a bit more of a lottery. And, you know, if you if you, if you go into bat first and maybe, you know, you lose a couple of early wickets, if Finn Allen got out, et cetera, et cetera, then suddenly it could have been a bit tricky for them. But all things said and done, yeah, if it had been a 10, 15, 20-over game against Afghanistan, you, you would have thought it was a guaranteed couple of points in the bag. So it is disappointing that they have... Uh, not been able to secure those two points. At least they didn't lose. At least they didn't get a point and they've, they've managed to stay on top. But yeah, that, with that rained off game, the Ireland result against England really becomes a lot more significant. But it, it just took another couple of points away from England.
4: Yeah, it did. Uh, puts the pressure on the Poms, obviously. And that's going to be really interesting to see how they go against the Aussies uh, this weekend because obviously they, they had that series against the Aussies. Uh, before the tournament, and they managed to uh, to beat the Aussies in that tournament. So you think the, the English should go in this as favourites, shouldn't they?
8: Well, I think they probably will. Um, but Aussies with their backs against the wall it's pretty much a mu- because of the net run rate situation, although they did improve the net run rate situation the other night um, from the dire straits it was in after the defeat to the Black Caps. But yeah, it's pretty much a, a must win for both teams, you feel. Um, so the Aussies at home... Hey, I think it's a real 50-50. I think, yeah, with the bookies, I would understand the things are the favourites, but I do think it's a 50-50, and the Aussies could quite easily turn around and, and beat them.
4: They uh, could. Uh, James Regan uh, joins us now as well. James, uh, I'll tell you what, the Cricket World Cup, certainly harder to pick at the group stages than the uh, Rugby League World Cup, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, thank goodness we're finally getting to the uh, towards the business end of this League World Cup. It's always uh, a that- a little bit interesting, but you're always just waiting to get to that uh, to that knockout stage, aren't you? And, but having said that, there's been a couple of really good um, a really good games. Wales gave Tonga a bit of a run for their money. That first game between PNG and Tonga uh, was was probably the best game of the tournament so far for me. From Kiwi's point of view, you just want to see them get through Ireland Gate and then um, hopefully a, a clash with Fiji in the quarters.
4: Where are you at the moment on international rugby league? I mean, you know, obviously it's really at the end of the day controlled by the NRL to, to a large extent or the ARL. Um, it feels to me like sure there 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 are growing pains, and you see that with eighty four nil wins in the group stages, but we see that at rugby world cups as well. The thing that needs to happen now, though, is the the Luke Careys and the Mitchell Moseses need to just stay with the Ireland's and the Lebanon's. Uh, I just don't know if International Rugby League has uh, the cojones to make those calls and to to go against the ARL if they decide that our DCE's retired so we're going to pick Mitch Moses for the next World Cup and then all of a sudden Lebanon are nowhere in terms of playmakers.
1: Yeah, yeah that's right and that'll be the, the key thing over the next couple of years as we look back on this World Cup and then look ahead to the next is can we, well can they first of all get some consistent games going for, for all teams, which has been a huge a huge gap um, to the international game is like a consistency in the calendar um, and getting getting these teams game time. Um, but also, yeah, you're right. Like, what are the ARL going to do if they say they don't say the Kangaroos don't go on and win this tournament? They're going to look around and go, well, if we had this player from Samoa, we had this player from Tonga, or we had you know Mitch Moses as a back out from Lebanon, we probably could have won. So it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out because when, I think what we're saying is when everyone is on a level playing field and they can have all their top players available, then there's there's a few teams that could realistically go on and win it. Some were a bit disappointing um, in their first game against England, but their team is, is phenomenal. So when everyone has their full full flock available, it makes the game so much better. And if they don't, the game isn't, it's not really worth it if it's just the Aussies and the Kiwis and occasionally England. So that's what they're going to have to look at. They're going to have to look at what's best for the international game. And hopefully this tournament shows that when, when we get to the quarters and beyond that when everyone is competitive, it's a great product, which, which it definitely is
4: yeah it is and not only the men's world cup but uh, also the women's world cup starting next week and also the uh, disability world cup as well the new zealand team play the world cup final against england on monday at 7 so that'll be one to watch we'll continue the panel after the latest in news and sport with aroha
2: 1476 am in auckland this is SENZ. it's kiwi for sport big talk
7: big opinions the panel
9: talk, talk,
4: Yeah, it is. uh, The panel, we continue on, 27 away from 11. Actually, I just had a look, the Kangaroos have named their team. Uh, James, before we move on to a couple of other things uh, other than the Rugby League World Cup, interesting for me that uh, they have uh, gone with DCE and Cleary together in the halves. Cameron Munster has been rested, Ben Hunt starts at hooker, and the bench has Val Holmes, Lindsay Collins, uh, Ruben Cotter and Tino on the bench. There's not really a hooking option there or a reserve half. It's weird.
1: No, nah, it's it's interesting what he's done there because the the main talking point over the Kangaroos is who's going to be that that starting seven. It, it, for me, it absolutely should be Nathan Cleary. He's the best player in the game uh, and has been for the past couple of years. I think the way he's taken control of that Penrith side. But you'd like to. It looks like Mal's, you know, just trying to rotate a little bit. And he knows that they'll cruise into the quarters. Um, so I think it's good that he, from their point of view, that he's giving Cameron Munster a rest, so he's protecting him for the next round. And he's basically just saying to those players that have been picked, DC included, now's your last chance to show me what you can do and if you deserve to be in my top team for the quarterfinals because they've got so many good players and so much depth. But so that's what it's going to come down to. It's, if you're in form, um, then you're in. And if you're not, it doesn't matter who you are. We can't afford to carry you, and that's, that's the case with all the teams. So it'll be fascinating to see what 13 he uh, he comes up with as a, as a get, get into the knockout.
4: Yeah, it will be. Uh, to certainly um, some, I think, surprises yet to come in this Rugby League World Cup. We'll have to uh, park that for now, though. Let's move on because the Blackferns have their quarterfinal in the Rugby World Cup this weekend. They play the Welsh. Uh, Aiden. It's weird how this group the, the the group stages have worked, and then the quarterfinals have worked. I mean, you would have thought they would have made it. You couldn't play a team from your own pool when it comes to the knockouts, or at least the first round. But you've got the US playing Canada, who played each other last week, and you have got uh, the Black Ferns playing Wales, who played each other last week. Uh, seems a bit of a weird one.
8: Yeah, it is a bit of a weird one, I guess. When you've got a twelve-team tournament, and um, you use a seeding, you have to use a seeding basis uh, to to work out who's going to play who it's something that can pop up um i don't think it's particularly desirable for anyone really and it would be better if uh if yeah you you kind of were hidden from that team for another round at least but oh, i guess it is what it is uh it's a possibility that that's come to be and um yeah i guess for, for the welsh they've got nothing to lose really you know they what they, they started well against the uh, the black ferns to be fair in that first 20 minutes of their first encounter uh fell away a bit but um Yeah, 56-12 in that first game to the Blackburns. And I see a pretty similar scoreline, to be fair. Again, I think the Welsh might put up a good fight for the the first half in particular and have their moments. But um, I think the Blackburns are just starting to build nicely now. You you just feel that Smith uh, and Co have got their their, their first 15, first 23, I should say, out there ready for action. And, um, yeah, I expect good things from the Blackburns this weekend.
4: Yeah, mean um, they, sh- they should win this. They won the uh, the group game reasonably comfortable. Uh, I know that Wayne Smith's been giving it James the whole you can't take anything for granted. Uh, but, uh, you know, they-, they should be too good. An interesting quarterfinal for me is France versus Italy. Uh, the French ranked very highly. Of course, we know what they did to the Black Ferns on the end of year tour last year. But they actually lost to the Italians not too long ago. So this might be a little bit of a smoky for an upset. Uh, what are you most looking forward to from the uh, Rugby World Cup's uh, quarterfinals this week
1: yeah, d- definitely that and definitely um, getting a, a good look at France and England for mine in their respective quarterfinals because those are obviously the two teams along with um, along with the Blackburns who could realistically win the tournament so getting a look at those two in particular as, as to how they approach this game how they really sharpen their focus ahead of uh, most likely the semis and, and, and hopefully final and um, so looking at at those three teams and how they go about their business, because they'll want they'll want to be slick, they'll want to be put together, and they'll want to they want to really make a statement. Blackburns, France, and England. But you're right, like with, the Blackburns should win, but it's, it's a World Cup, and and anything could happen, right? So and that goes for all the teams. So they'll really be, I think, starting to sharpen their focus and. And not taking anything for granted, and they'll want to be ruthless as well. Because if you want to win a World Cup, you've got to be ruthless. It doesn't matter who you're playing, and that'll be, I think, the key message from Wayne Smith is: if we get ahead, when we get ahead, put the foot on the throat and, and really go for it. And that'll that'll send a, a message to the other teams that uh, that they're here to play. So, really looking forward to see how England, France, and the Black Ferns go.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right, uh, looking forward to to those uh, quarterfinals this weekend. Aiden, for you, which is the one uh, that is most appealing?
8: Well, I think it would have to be uh, New Zealand, Wales, uh, just to see how the Black Friends are going. But yeah, I, I agree with James. Actually, I think um, just seeing how the French uh, and the English go uh, with those semi-finals in mind is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think I think tomorrow is the better day of rugby. France, Italy, as you say, that, that there is a potential there for an upset. Um, but uh, but yeah, I do expect France, New Zealand, and England to get through. Canada, USA is an interesting one for me. You know, you say they played last weekend, um, and Canada were reasonably handy winners in the end. But I think you know potentially the US could put up a bit, a bit of a closer show uh, for their last game of the four this weekend. So um, yeah, I think three. Pretty, pretty easy uh, results to predict, and then probably Canada, but potential for an upset there.
4: Yeah, indeed. All right, the uh, All Blacks also play uh, this weekend. I don't know if you heard, it's at the same time. Um, that I know that not a lot's been made of that, gentlemen. Uh, but uh, that the team that was named yesterday, the 23, that was interesting for me. Of course, the, uh, the big uh, headline grabber, James, is Roger Tuivasa-Shek getting a, a start in 12, but interested also to see Stephen Perafeta getting the number 15 jersey.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much what we expected as they start to build into this end-of-year tour. But what, what it means for these guys, and, and Roger in particular, I think, is they're going to have limited chances before the World Cup, right? And this is this is one of them. It's a great opportunity for them to go out and show that they deserve to be in that squad and that, and that team come the World Cup. So every opportunity they get is gold for these guys who are, who are on the fringes, especially... Um, especially in that midfield, which is going to be absolutely stacked come the World Cup. So someone like Roger, he's got to really make a statement any time he can. He definitely has the ability. He's a phenomenal athlete. I think he's grown a lot. Um, well, he's grown into the, into the season as he's gone and, and was really good for the Blues. And now it's his chance to show, that, to show Ian Foster and the, and the selectors that he deserves to be in that team um, come next year. And, and as I say, opportunities are going to be few and far between. But, so for those two... In particular, it's, uh, it's a golden opportunity to show what they can do.
4: It is. We've got uh, David Haveli on the bench offering cover. Uh, Anton Leonard-Brown back as well. Uh, but it's, it's it's quite light on caps, this All Blacks team, particularly the backline, Aiden, You know, you look at Finlay Christie at halfback, he has 12. Caleb Clark on one wing has 11. Sevier Reese on the other has 21. The midfield has seven combined between Tuivasa Sheik and Enor. Peter Feta, it says one, but re- we know it was, that's probably one minute, not one cap. Uh, and then you got Richard Moing with the 41. What a, What have you made of the team?
8: Oh, I think, as James said, it's largely predictable, especially when you consider uh, some late withdrawals and some unavailability for this test um, with the Barrett brothers, etc. cetera, out. Uh, I think, ideally, Perifetta would have started at 10, uh, had there been a few more players available, but it is what it is in that respect, um, and it's just good to see him get a start and get some decent thing, game time. I'm really pleased and curious to see what Finlay Christie will do, actually, because now with Falau, Fakatava, Injured long term, um, he's got a real opportunity to make uh, that backup halfback spot his own. You know, he seemed to be getting uh, favoured by Foster during the, during the year in terms of you know he was the one on the bench rather than Takatava. But now I think he's got a, a real chance to to cement that role, especially with Brad Weber coming into the the squad as a backup. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if if Weber gets any time on this on this tour. Uh, so yes, I think. Big opportunity for him. And then in the forwards, I think, you know, the likes of Sututu, uh, um I think it's a really good opportunity for them just to say, hey, we're here um, and we can do a job for you. We, we might not be your first choice. Uh, we might not be in your you match day 23 necessarily but if some injuries we're, we're ready to go so yeah, a big opportunity for all of them really
4: Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how that match develops I can see at some point uh, Peter Feta playing 10 and maybe Haveli coming on for Mwanga and going to fullback he's played there before uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that actually happens and how much time he gets in also another thing, you know, I've done uh, a bunch of rugby shows this year with uh, Justin Marshall, Steve Devine a couple of former all-black halfbacks both of them think that Finlay Christie is the best halfback in the country at the moment but Smith's there because of his experience and his legacy. Um, so he starts here. What chance do you give, James, of Finlay Christie unseating Aaron Smith ahead of the World Cup and becoming the number one nine?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, Aaron, Aaron Smith, for me, is still the first choice. Um, but next year, next year will be a massive year. Um, and I think that's when... If, if there's any time that Finlay Christie can show what he can do, then then that'll be it. Because you're right, he he's been in such good form, he's such a key player for the Blues. But Aaron Smith, for me, just has has so many runs on the board. He's such a professional, so so key to how that team organises themselves and how they how they play. Which I think is is, is probably the the thing that Foster will be looking at. Is Aaron Smith is, is so reliable, uh, and especially in those big games and those big moments, he's the one that in the past you, you've been able to look at and go, He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a solid pair of hands um, and, and someone you can just rely on day in, day out. So I think it will take a lot for, for Sam Lake Christie to, to get that starting spot, but
8: it's not beyond the realms of possibility either. Aidan, for you? Yeah, I think it's unlikely that Smith will will lose his starting role before the World Cup. I think it would need a pretty big drop-off in form because I think Foster and Co are pretty loyal to him. I mean, if you go back four years, there was a bit of a change in the back three, wasn't there, just before the tournament with Bridge and Severese and, uh, uh, coming in. But I think, I think that a key, that, that really pivotal position of half experiences so much. You know, it's going to be, what, his third World Cup? Um, he's got you know, so many caps I think it would take a massive drop off in form or equally Finlay Christie just needs to absolutely batter the, the door down in the next sort of 8-9 months and make it uh, you know irresistible for him not to be the starting but, but if I had to put some money on it right now I'd say Smith's the start of the World Cup in the big games and uh, Finlay Christie to be on the bench
4: all right gentlemen before we uh, finish the panel the uh, world cup is on its way uh, you get another one this one the football world cup in Qatar and uh, that has been contentious in itself and the, the latest team to take a stand on that is the Socceroos. um what have you made of of their protest uh, collectively as a team Yeah I, yeah. I, I think oh. it's um sorry don't... You go James. I think,
1: sorry, I was just going to say quickly. I think it's great. I think we've we've seen a couple of uh, instances of teams and, and individuals speaking about it, uh, but aside from that, it's kind of been just there in the background as we've been focusing on who's qualifying and, and you know who the favourites might be. But this is something that that needs to be addressed and spoken about. It doesn't need a, a radical kind of uprising because there's nothing there's nothing anyone can do about it, right? Like it's going to be in Qatar. It's going to be a bit controversial at times. There's bound to be a few instances of uh, fans running in with with organisers and, and whoever. But if players and teams can speak about it and and just be honest about how they're feeling about playing the World Cup in Qatar, then, then that's that's all we can ask of them. So um, yeah, the Socceroos well done to them. It's, it's certainly brave, and, and they didn't have to do that. But I think as we get closer to the tournament, it's just it just needs to be spoken about because we can't bury our heads in the sand that that it's not an issue or controversial that it's being held there. But there's nothing anyone can do about it either. Like It's going to be there.
4: Yeah, it is. Our final word for you, Aiden.
8: Yeah, the horse belt on this one a long time ago, didn't it, Ricardo? You know, 12 years ago it was awarded to Qatar and um, I think a lot of people in the next sort of six, eight weeks are going to suddenly realise what... Uh, what well, goes on in that country? A lot of people probably have their head in the sand, a wee we? But I think it's really good that the, the the Socceroos have spoke up. It wouldn't surprise me if there's some other teams among the 32 that do something similar in the next few weeks. So it's so good on the Socceroos for leading the way in that respect.
4: Yeah, indeed, gentlemen. Thanks for being on the panel. Go well and enjoy your weekends, eh? Thanks, guys.
8: Thanks,
3: Appreciate
4: it. it. Cheers. Uh, we are 14 away from 11 here on SCNZ Mornings with Ian Smith.
2: Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on S E N Z.
4: Nine away from 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball are with you. And a text that's come through from Chris. Australia played Sri Lanka probably in the best place they could, Perth. We've got them in probably the worst place. The SCG worried about that game. Yeah, that's a good point, Chris. Perth is no uh, sorry, Sydney, SCG is known for being more spin friendly. So that will probably uh, help the Sri Lankans a little bit, you'd have to think. And uh, looking at the odds for that game, Uh, New Zealand are $1.42 favourites at the TAB. Sri Lanka are paying $2.70, but I think that's a really solid point on the Sri Lankans playing at the SCG rather than Perth. I think certainly a better venue for them and I look forward to seeing how that game plays out. That is here at Black Cap Preview uh, with Big Barrel, Big Range, Bigger Deals. Become our mate and get rewarded at bigbarrel.co.nz. This
2: morning's with Ian Smith on S E N Z.
4: Couple of minutes away from eleven o'clock here on SENZ mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, Pip Morris joins us from the TAB. G'day, Pip. How are you?
7: Good morning, Ricardo. I'm great. How are you?
4: Yeah, good, mate. I was I was talking to Shane Cuthbert earlier, who I know you'll know. We were talking about the weekend of racing in Melbourne. Uh, talked about how James McDonald is on six of the favourites on Saturday, and I was I was thinking maybe the TAB needs to do a Mac trick, you know, back him to win three races, uh, and there's some sort of bonus in there. What do you reckon? Uh, what do what you got happening for the weekend?
7: Yeah, I like the sound of that, Ricardo. Wasn't it last year at the meeting? I think he won around eight. So I'll be talking to the bookies and, and seeing if they can put something together. As far as the Kiwis go in the Derby, they're the best back in that race, as well as the Empire Rose. Look at the should say La Creek there is by far the best back. Congo for the lads is eighty percent of the bets on that runner in Australia. And I can tell you too, the Melbourne Cup power play is gonna be out on Sunday, nice and early. Build your own. You can take up to five runners. So look, you can only take one for the win. But but you could take a couple to run top five a couple to run top 10 chuck them all in the multi together so that's something really nice for the tab and today closer to home we've got galaxy heats out of addington power plays available on all of those races we've got a $25,000 late guaranteed quaddy from new plymouth and power plays available on all of those races with six runners or more so so much to look forward to and the Melbourne cup coming up on tuesday Keep an eye out for all the promotions and boosted odds runners as well.
4: Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be a big day on Tuesday, a big day on Saturday as well. Uh, but there's also sport across the weekend. The Black Caps are in action. Rugby League World Cup, the Women's Rugby World Cup, the All Blacks. Uh, what's big for you this weekend?
7: Yeah, so much going on. Well, I can tell you the Kiwis in the league, there's not much going on here to head as far as the betting with them being so short, but Joseph Carpini to score two tries in the power play, $19, is really, really popular, Ricardo. So seems to be the way that the Kiwis are wanting to punt there, not going head-to-head, checking out those power plays. The same case goes for the women's rugby as well. That seems to be the play. Have a look at those power plays and see what you can pick up.
4: Will do. Thanks very much for your time, Pip. Go well. Have a great weekend.
7: You too, Ricardo. See you later.
4: Watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly R18 in the next hour. Your chance to win a TAB bonus bet with Stumps. We'll be talking Greyhounds. We'll be talking Harness. And we'll be talking Women's Rugby World Cup.
2: From behind the Stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. No,
4: It's four past eleven here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for him and joining us now is not only the host and presenter of the Women's Rugby Show and English Rugby Journalist, but also the only rugby journalist I know to have had a song written about him by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It is Sam, by the way. G'day Sam, how are you? Hi,
10: not bad, thank you.
4: Uh, I'd imagine you've heard that one before.
10: Yeah, I've heard that one a couple of times, yeah.
4: Yeah, it's it's just like your own theme song. You just travel around playing that through a little Bluetooth, wouldn't you?
10: I know, I should I should start doing that, really.
4: Yeah, yeah it's like your intro music. You could be like a wrestler, <laughs> but just wherever you go, you're playing that. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Now, I know you'll be excited this weekend. The quarterfinals of the uh, Women's Rugby World Cup are on, and I guess the the big story that maybe New Zealand media is, is missing is something that's going to be very much celebrated uh, in the UK, and that is the 138 caps that are going to be brought up by Sarah Hunter in this quarterfinal. What an achievement.
10: Yeah, we t- I just c- came from the Red Roses press conference, actually. And I think Simon Middleton, Red Roses coach, just bigged her up massively. And it's kind of, she is amazing. She's probably one of the legends of English rugby, the most capped rugby player in England, men or women now. And I think the character of her, she was quite humbled by what Simon Middleton have to say. And I think what you see on the pitch is completely different to what you see off the pitch. It's just... Seeing how humble she is is just great to see. Now,
4: the uh, the Wallaroos, you would have seen a little bit of them in action. Uh, they are a team that you know the Black Ferns uh, have played quite a few times this season. Uh, they've given them a couple of hidings, but they've also been pushed by them. What do you make of that Wallaroos team? And do you think that they can trouble England at all?
10: I do think they can trouble England. I think their back line's quite impressive. I think Bien-Tarita who's come in from seven, scored twice on a debut against the Black Ferns, is very, very good. I think she's young, she's talented, and she's definitely going to be one for the future. But also, their forward pack has had a bit of success so far in the tournament. But it's just England needs to kind of neutralise that. And obviously, Australia have been um, ravaged by penalties and ill-discipline. I think I think it's about four yellow cards and two red cards or something now, and lot, so many penalties. And it's against a side against like England, where they just kick to touch, drive a all, try... They can't do that, and I think that's what England need to do. They just need to make sure they come out of the blocks fast and stop Australia coming out of the blocks fast, like they did against the Black Ferns. Yeah,
4: it's going to be uh, it's going to be a real challenge for the Wallaroos. It seems to be discipline seems to be a problem across uh, the Wallabies and the Wallaroos because I remember the uh, the Rugby Championship this season. Uh, the Wallabies had far more yellow cards and red cards than any other team. So maybe it's an Australian rugby thing, mate. Oh, and it is the convict dial, I suppose.
10: <laughs> yeah, I think it's just. I'm not sure quite what it is with this. the Waller. I think it's just kind of silly decisions as well. It's just mm. they um, they haven't played as much as any other team really here in the tournament. They haven't played for a while up until really this year. And I think that might be a little bit of it. They haven't got the kind of test experience like the other sides have.
4: Now, the Welsh played the Black Ferns uh, in the group stages only last week uh, and were well beaten. Uh, the, the draw... The way the draws worked, it feels flawed. I know there's only three groups of twelve, and there's only so much you can do. But surely you can put in a rule where you can't play a team in the quarterfinals from your own pool, because we're we're seeing it twice with Wales playing the Black Ferns and Canada and the US going head to head again.
10: Yeah, I think it's a little bit kind of annoying, but there's not, there's there's stuff you can do really. But I think there's not there's also not masses you can do. I think but it's also produced quite good quality games again because Mm. both sides are going to know what they can bring each other. Bring Canada-USA last weekend was brilliant, and I think hopefully the Black Ferns against Wales is going to be a better spectacle and kind of closer than it was a couple of weeks ago in Waitakere.
4: Where do you think the Welsh can improve, and where do you think they can kind of, uh, I guess, stop the Black Ferns from getting front football?
10: I think it's just that the scrum and line-out again. That's what they did a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think they kind of bullied the New Zealand pack a little bit. And I think that's probably what they're going to have to do again because the the Black Ferns black, black Ferns back three of Ruby Tui, Portia Woodman and Ayesha Letiaga is just probably one of the best in the world, if not the best back three in the world. And I think you kind of can't give them the time on the ball. So it's kind of playing 10-player 10, 10 rugby, um, hit up and driving more and scrums. That's going to be Wales's kind of tactic for the day.
4: Yeah, I mean, I guess the kicking game is going to be key here as well because if there is one weakness in Ruby Tui's game, it is that she hasn't played a lot of fifteen. So, positionally, she may be exposed at times against the better teams.
10: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's what Wales should try and do. But I think one of Wales's weaknesses is probably their kicking game. So it's probably something you won't see maybe this weekend. But should the Black Ferns qualify? then should the black should France qualify I think it's something you'll see France do a lot and then potentially England will definitely try and exploit it a lot yeah. Come a final potentially.
4: Yeah. All right. Well. So uh, New Zealand versus Wales, seven thirty tomorrow in Whangarei. But uh, before that, there is France versus Italy. Now um, I know you're not a bookmaker, Sam, but I'm looking at the uh, at the TAB website here. France are paying a dollar three. Italy are paying nine dollars. Considering that the Italians beat France just before this World Cup, uh, there seems to be a bit of value in the Italians.
10: Yeah, I think that is very harsh on Italy. I think France have only lost to them five times. I think. Maybe even maybe even just four, and I think they've all that's all come on Italian soil. They've never won away, never won on neutral venues. So I think that might be a little bit due to it, but Italy are France's bogey side, and I think there's just something about Italy that can disrupt France. France haven't really been on top form. Obviously, they've come through, they've challenged England and won their other two games, so they qualify for a quarterfinal. But there's just something about them that's not. Co- there, I think, in this tournament so far, they've lost Los Angeles, their best player, one of the world's best players, but a couple of other niggly injuries. And I think there's just something about them that if Italy can spark and if Italy can play 100% and if France is slightly off there best and i think italy will just edge it
4: Mm, yeah okay that's uh the french I said, are paying a dollar three italy nine dollars uh that leaves uh the quarterfinal that we touched on earlier but the canadians taking on the us canada ended up winning this game reasonably comfortably but it was tight for probably what 60 minutes um do you Mm -hmm. see the us giving the canadians a problem here or do you think canada just have too much
10: uh yeah i do think canada just have a little bit too much and i think Purely down to the quality they have in some areas. Sophie de is a world class number eight. I think you'd probably get in an any of the other big, th- big three, big four teams in the world. I think they've got quite a solid backline that's not really been interrupted. They've played solidly throughout. They've had continuity. and I think they've just won quite solid. They haven't, post- no issues have been posed to them really. They haven't had any, haven't really had any issues going through the tournament. They've lost their scrum half to injury. That's, only the slight issue for them. But I just think they have a little bit too much for the USA. I think that's nothing against the USA. I think they've got, they do have a very good team. They all play in the Premier 15s back in England. I think that's going to stand them in good stead. Maybe not for this tournament, but going forward, having quality be all through the year when they can't be in camp altogether. Whereas the Canadians also haven't been in camps. So I think it's, it's going to be a weird one because neither side have really had much time together this year, apart from when they've played. They haven't been in camps, I think, have England have. Through a four week camp at a time. Canada have, because so many teams, so many of their players play abroad, they don't have that time in camp together. So I think it's quite impressive what they've got to this stage, but I do think they're going to have a little bit too much for the USA.
4: Yeah. The Canadians, uh, if they win this, I think they'll play the winner of England Australia, which is probably going to be England. Yeah, what you've seen from the Canadians? Did, is, is that from an English point of view? Is that a worry? I mean, is that are they a team that that worry you, or or is this a game that you think you should win comfortably? And the focus is really on the final.
10: I wouldn't say worries me, but if you, obviously if you look back at last year's result, England comprehensively beat Canada and the USA. But obviously, they also comprehensively beat the Black Ferns last autumn. But you know how that's not going to be as close as it was last autumn. Both sides have developed and I think kinda of have developed and I think anything can kind of happen in a World Cup semi final. Canada before in the twenty fourteen World Cup final, which England won. But I think it's not about a, it's not about worrying about them. I think it's there's gonna be issues that they will cause England even kind of exploiting them because both both of these teams have probably the best driving moles as England I think scored twelve tries. I think something that Canada can also do themselves they're very forward dominant so I think it's kind of going to be a clash of quite similar styles and if Canada get on top of that style then you never know what can happen. Mm.
4: All right, mate, Uh, well Sam before we let you go, you you obviously have been here for a couple of weeks now you would have had in your head an idea of what this tournament was going to look like what the opposition were going to look like what if anything has surprised you and what uh, have you made of the change in the way that the Black Ferns have played?
10: Yeah, I think I'm just really impressed with how the Black Ferns have kind of developed from last year because everybody in England, when they arrived last year, expected them to be better than what that was. And I think the producing of quite a lot of youngsters coming through this Black Fern side now has just been really impressive. Um, my Maya Roos, I can't say her full name properly because I always mess it up. In the second row, um, it's been one of the standouts for me. I think she's been very good in all, all of the games she's played. Um, I think it's just kind of shining faces and new faces into the rugby world on the biggest stage of showing. I think if you looked at Fiji, nobody expected them to do anything at this tournament, but they've come away with, come away from it with a win. So many of their players are now in the limelight of being stars of the women's rugby game. And I think that's just what's been really nice to see, lo- loads of new faces rising up to the top.
4: Yeah, it has been good to see those new faces. Do you think uh, the way that the Black Blackfoons have changed uh, how they play the game, how they approach the game from what they did in November last year. Uh, do you think that gives uh, makes it more of a challenge for the English? Or do you think if these two teams do meet in the final, it'll still be reasonably dominant for England?
10: I don't think it'll be dominant for England at all. I think one of the reasons being that Eden Park crowds is going to be massively on England's backs are going to be all for New Zealand. I think it's going to be quite a cauldron of an atmosphere that England won't play. Neither team will have played in before, but England definitely won't have had that many people against them, apart from being in France. Where they have been successful away in France, but I think the Eden Park atmosphere is going to be very different. But also, I do think New Zealand has developed so much in the past year. I think Wayne Smith has got obviously got so much part to it playing that but it's just the way they've ch- changed their styles the bringing in Ruby Tui, a couple of the other sevens girls playing regularly is kind of make the brand a little bit more exciting a little bit of chaos rugby the way um a couple of coaches described them playing i think that will cause England issues it, um Fiji did it very well against them just playing kind of UA rugby just throw out the back um, offloads passing at wide and i think that's what New Zealand can do really well with likes of Ruby Tui, Portia Woodman, Theresa Fitzpatrick etc and I think that's what will cause England issues should they meet in a final
4: Mm. Alright mate, Um, now we have those four games, Uh, predictions from you France, Italy
10: I think I do think France will just about edge it because I think they can't not be on that, they haven't been 100% yet this tournament, I think if they are anywhere near 100% they'll win that one
4: Uh, New Zealand, Wales
10: as much as I would quite like Wales to win that one as a UK resident, I think New Zealand will um, quite comfortably win that one.
4: Yeah, England, Australia, match the same?
10: Yeah, I think I'd, I'd like it to be quite competitive. I think it probably will be for about a good 30 minutes and then England will probably just run away with it a little bit.
4: And then finally, Canada, the USA?
10: Yeah, I'm, I'm and I'm going for the four favourites. I think it's quite, it's, annoyingly, it's quite an obvious choice, I think, this week. I think... I just can't see the USA, they were close last week for, again, a good 20 minutes, like England, Australia will be, I think it will be the same again, and then just the team with a higher quality will probably just about edge out with the fitness, more experience and slightly better quality players.
4: Good stuff, Sam, I really appreciate your time, mate, enjoy uh, your weekend, enjoy those quarterfinals, and uh, hopefully we can catch up before the final, eh?
10: No worries. Speak
4: to you, Sam. Yeah, will do there. Sam, by the way, you can find him on Twitter if you want to follow him. Jose uh, hosts women's rugby podcast, is a journalist here as uh, or in the UK as well. Rugby journalist, is down here covering the World Cup. If I put all Sam's four picks together, Logan, we talk about multis here. His four quarterfinal picks at the TAB returns a dollar $1.16. Uh, yeah,
10: well, I mean, if you go for all
6: the favourites, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... uh you probably should have a good uh, hit rate with
4: that, though, good success rate. You would think so. You would think so. Although it's interesting what he did say about the Italians. Um, and, the, you know, he said that's the one that he th- he thinks that $9 is harsh on Italy because the Italians did beat France last yeah, time the they Yeah, the bogey played. team. Yeah, and a bit of a bogey team. So that might be one where there's a bit of value, uh, one worth uh, one worth checking out. 17 past 11 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. When we come back, we're talking Greyhounds with Dave Fahey.
9: To tell you the truth, can't remember now. Who's outside him?
4: Uh, who is outside him? it is a great question. Uh, Mister Festus. Oh yeah. Has drawn six. Simon the pyman inside. Uh, Amori Rock is at three. Sadiqi Bale at two made the cut. Uh, has got one and then Goldstar. Oh yeah, in. one and two.
9: One and two are the dangers. One and two. Okay. Yeah, number one and two. Yeah. Oh, so uh, yeah, if you can come out with them, you'll be right. But. Uh, Sometimes he
4: can just be a bit slow, At yeah, sometimes. So if I'm looking for a trifecta, I'm going one, two, and five today?
11: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Here we go. You've you got the tips. You've got the tips right here. That is uh, the uh, Springsteen Hotel Galaxy Sprint Heat Number 2, which gets underway in uh, just under an hour. Um you got you've got you guys have been doing this uh for a for a long time. you've got a lot of dogs named Opawa that we've we've heard the names of uh over the years, but you've also got a uh, I was gonna say horse. You've got a dog today in race four called It's Better. Did you run out of Opawas? What was the deal there with the naming uh, the naming uh, construct?
9: Have, all the Opawa ones are owned by Opawa Racing uh Robin Wales. And uh, that's one of the ones we've bred ourselves, It's better. Uh right, okay. And they're, they're, she goes she goes she's pretty honest, but um might be struggling you're box seven right yeah
4: yeah yeah okay oh
9: she's really honest but um i don't think she's right up to the top grade if she got in the final but you never know
4: you never know mate you never know it's uh a, yeah. A, a, yeah i mean it's a it's, it's a tough sport isn't it and the, you know that i've been mean, you know dogs are in a way like people someday sometimes they're on for the day and other times they're not on for the day right i mean how do you how do you you know, sort of look at that as a trainer, you know, when it comes to race days, do you get any signs if if a dog's up for it that day or not?
9: Uh, Oh, you know, yes, sometimes you do, but other times they'll really uh, let you down or surprise you. Um, It's a lot of, it's about the draws and what they're, like if some of them rail, some run wide. It just depends on the dogs around them a lot of the time. Yeah, you've What's got. They, if they're going to get a clear run. If you're first out, it doesn't matter what you do, though. Mm.
4: Yeah. Yeah, you, if you've got tr- just track in front of you, everything's good, right? Everything's good with the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right. If so you've got
9: clear air. Clear air. The best dog usually wins.
4: Yeah, right. Okay, that's good. Yeah. You, you've got a few others uh, that are yours as well that aren't the Opawas that, that you've bred you've yourself. Uh, I think race 11, you've got
9: Humbling. And then in race
4: 12, Dynamite Boy.
9: Yeah, but we've. The last. Uh, three or four years we've been breeding we used to get a lot from Australia but the last uh, especially the last couple of years we've been breeding quite a few ourselves and um, you're really enjoying going right through with them from pups to um, breaking in and racing and uh, you get a big kick out of them doing well
4: now, I mean, you and Gene are a partnership, obviously. Uh, you know, when it comes to the training as well, um, and 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 looking after the dogs, how do you how do you split your time, and and who who does what, or or is a is it kind of you know shared duties across uh, across everything?
9: Yeah, pretty shared. Uh, Gene does a lot of walking and does all the tricky stuff. The um, pays the bills and everything. I don't want to nothing nothing to do with that. And uh, yeah, I do the. Um, running and injuries and that sort of thing and yeah and i've got a good team of workers with um katie and tony and danny so it's been it works out really good Yeah,
4: wow, nice mate now i know that you... and mark
9: Lynn, who helps us at the races he's he's a great help as well
4: yeah well, it seems like you've got a, a, a pretty a pretty tight team around you there mate
9: yeah no we're, we're going good at the moment yep great
4: now, I know that you've got uh, races ahead of you today and, and you've probably sort of got one eye on the track, uh, so we will let you go. But, Dave, really appreciate your time today, mate. Uh, go well. Best of luck over the weekend and in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully uh, you guys have got that 10th New Zealand Cup set uh, set on the mantelpiece, eh?
9: You never know. Never Thanks,
4: Garde. Uh, thank you, Dave. Go well, mate. Dave Fahey there, Canterbury trainer. Um, now, Greyhound Racing New Zealand also, of course, bring you uh, Dog Speed, which is a show you can tune into SENZ and hear every Sunday from midday, hosted by Greyhound experts Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts. You won't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, of course. Uh, We also do uh, listen on Thursdays for your Greyhound tips as well for uh, the raising funds for charity with Greyhound Racing in New Zealand. We do that, and uh, on this show, any money won goes to the Women's Refuge. It is about that time. I can see the phone lines lighting up already. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. We have a TAB bonus bet to give away with Stumped. That is after the latest in news and sport with Aroha.
0: Ian Smith's had a good match here.
7: Stumped by Smithy.
0: Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
6: Yes, it's time for one more time this week here on SNZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Subbed in there by Ricardo Ball, of course, while Smithy is away on the T20 Cricket World Cup duties. Time for stunt. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. And Ricardo, you barely. Got a shot in yesterday after Zayd just smacked one, two, three over the boundary.
4: Yeah, Zayd was just on fire yesterday. Didn't I didn't even get a shot. I didn't didn't have an opportunity to stump him because nothing went past the wicket.
6: Yeah, so apparently uh my deliveries were quite weak. Uh yesterday. We'll see how we go today. First at the crease, though, we're going down to Dunedin. Come in, Luke.
1: Good morning, team. How are we?
6: Yeah, good mate, good mate. You got your bat, you ready to go?
0: I'm I'm
9: good to go.
6: Let's hit it. All right. Let's hit (laughs) it. Hopefully you don't smash a few boundaries. We'll see how we go, though. Uh, The topics today, we've got the A-League, the NFL, and the World Series. Take your pick, Luke.
9: We'll go with uh, NFL. I could just
6: see that Ricardo was praying you'd pick A-League, but good luck. Here we go. (laughs) NFL. Do you have a team? All over Dallas. Oh, okay. Tell you what, uh, America's team. America's team. I uh, I I drafted Dak Prescott uh, in my fantasy draft, and of course, you can imagine how panicked I was after he got injured after one week. Uh, (laughs) First question for you, Luke. Earlier this season, the Green Bay Packers and New York Giants played at the home ground of which English Premier League team?
0: Oh, go Man United
6: one of the worst things i have oh. ever seen done on a
12: cricket field
4: ricardo tottenham hotspur that's a couple of chips down the wicket oh. right in the slot <laughs> underweight sorry <Yeah>. mate sorry <laughs> see you later see you <laughs> have a good weekend
6: <laughs> back to the pavilion luke hard hard done there hard done by there all right jason from auckland coming mate get up to the crease how you doing
8: yeah good mate how are you
6: not bad, not bad. Ricardo's already he's one for one. We'll see how we go. How are you on your NFL
8: knowledge? I wouldn't have picked the NFL. I probably would have taken A League against Ricardo.
6: Oh Alright. Really well, well, see how you go, mate. What team has allowed the most sacks so far this season? The most quarterback sacks?
9: Um
8: I know Russell Lewis is not doing too well, so go Broncos.
6: One of the worst
12: things I have ever seen. Done on a cricket field.
6: It's a really good guess. I like, yeah, the, yeah I like that theory. Incorrect answer though, Ricardo? Uh I'm trying to think. Actually,
4: I don't know the answer. To this, I'm, so I'm thinking somebody that uh, isn't performing particularly well, which could be a lot of them. But I'm <laughs> going to go. I go with the Pittsburgh Steelers.
12: One of the worst things I have ever seen. Done on a cricket field.
6: Yeah, this it's been such a bonkers NFL season so far already. So many teams you think they would be performing aren't performing, and then you've got teams like the Eagles right up there. Uh, the correct answer, though, Chicago Bears thirty-two, which Ooh. is about four four and a half sacks per game. So uh, some quarterbacks with some bruises there. Yeah, exactly. So Jason, you Quarterback, asked. Quarterbacks
4: need more friends in the O line.
6: <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady. Maybe don't. Maybe uh, don't. You know, be a dick to your teammates. Anyway, uh, last question for you, Jason. To our $50 TB bonus bet after grabs here. Who currently leads the NFL for passing yards?
8: Mm,
12: Patrick Mahomes. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes.
6: Yeah, would that have been your guess, Ricardo? That would have been my guess,
4: yeah. Do well- you know any other quarterbacks? Yeah, well, Derek Carr, and I knew it wasn't going to be him. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't going to be Russell Wilson. And I knew it wasn't going to be Tom Brady. There's a few that I knew it wasn't going to be. Nice.
6: Uh, nice, but, Luke. Good. Uh, oh, Luke, that was the last guy, and he got smashed. Uh, Jason, awesome work, mate. Yes, Patrick Mahomes does lead, so that means you win. You get the $50 TAB bonus bet. Congrats, mate. Nice.
8: Thank
6: you. Where are you putting it this weekend, Jace?
8: Um, I'll have to have a look, but maybe something on the Kiwis to, to
1: win it all or... T20 World
4: Cup, maybe. Yeah, there was actually one that um, Pip from the TAB mentioned that um, looked looked juicy, which is uh, given that the Irish uh, conceded 40 points to Lebanon, and, we, and that was uh, Joseph Tarpany to score two tries, and the power players paying 19s. Ooh, that
1: could
4: be it. Or you can go a bit more conservative and follow Brian in on the cheese to score a try any time at two bucks. Nah.
8: Go, go all out. We'll go, go on all. top.
4: Perhaps. All right. Yeah. Good stuff, Jason. Good luck, mate, and have a great weekend. Oh, thank you. Now, it is, of course, uh, 23 away from midday here. On the 28th of October, it's, it's, it's a marquee day uh, for a few reasons. A couple of major names in sporting history have birthdays today. Bernie Eccleston, the man who uh, really gave birth to the modern Formula One, turns 92 today. Uh, also, Caitlin Jenner. 73 today, but probably the date uh, that there you know, will be women all over the country uh, weeping into their wheat into their bits about uh, is the day that Logan Squinkles was
6: taken off the market four years ago. <laughs> what? Uh, happy, yeah, happy wedding anniversary, Logan. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know about that. Thanks, mate. Yes, awesome day. I love October 28th. Jenna, I didn't know that. That That's yeah. quite uh, fitting because my lovely wife, Sarah, loves her reality TV. So, yes, four years happily married, had a kid after two, after four, potentially making a really big move and buying a house. Who knows what happens at six? Fingers crossed to win the lottery. But to play us out to the break, <laughs> look, we have a lot of affiliation with uh, Toronto and Canada. And to play us out to the break, here is the song that we danced to for our first dance. It's our favorite singer of all time, Lights.
4: here on SCNZ. Ricardo Ball with you in for Ian Smith till 12 o'clock. Then after 12 Mark Stafford will be in. Uh, Just uh, if you're a harness racing fan, make sure uh, that you tune in on Sunday at 11 o'clock to Mick Guerin and Greg O'Connor They talk all the harness racing action from around the country. That's Sundays from 11 till midday. It's called Trot's Talk, all thanks to the great New Zealanders at Harness Racing in New Zealand. Live the dream. Get involved in harness racing today. NZ Harness Racing. Visit hrnz.co.nz. There's a couple of big meets on uh, today. Methven on grass from around 2.30 in Cambridge later on this evening as well. Uh, Joining us. From Trot's Talk is uh, Michael Guerin. G'day, mate. How are you?
12: Mate, I'm going well. Um, Yeah, strange old meeting tonight. You mentioned Cambridge is on. So for those who want to bet during the day, they they race on the grass at Methven today. Um, Totally different type of racing coming out of Cambridge tonight, which is the smaller all-weather 1,000-metre track. But it's got an extreme rarity. We have a horse in the feature race tonight. His name is Copy That. He is the defending IRT New Zealand Cup champion. That race is now 12 days away. Uh, He's starting with a 70-metre handicap. So for those who are listening at home, we don't watch a lot of harness racing. They have tapes, which are like pieces of elastic on the front line where some horses are starting. He's starting 70 metres, so two-thirds of a rugby pitch, behind him. Now, this wouldn't have happened for a major New Zealand racehorse for, for 40 years, I would suggest. Wow. Um, the reason, the reason is, uh, is, obviously, he needs another run to get ready for the New Zealand Cup. Now, his choice was to go to the South Island and race in the Kaikoura Cup on Monday, but they don't want to take him down via roads. Easier on the horses, if you can fly them down. And the flight goes on Tuesday, so they would miss Monday's race, the big day at Kaikoura. So they're starting off 70 metres tonight... And his key rival, Hot and Treacherous, is off 50. Now that sounds like, well, how the hell is he going to win from there? Well, last week at Alexandra Park, he started from 55 metres behind over a shorter distance and still won. So really unusual going back in time sort of stuff. And if he pulls it off tonight, the crowd, not that there'll be a massive crowd there tonight, but it'll stun everybody. People will love it if they can pull it off tonight. It's just one of those intriguing things to watch whether he manages to win it or not. Probably the motivation isn't totally to go there and win. They would like to win, but if the horse is off the front line step and just charge as fast as they can to try and keep him from catching up and being able to pass them, he might get beaten. So really unusual scenes tonight. And then after that, we head into the weekend where Kaikoura have back-to-back race meetings Sunday and Monday, and Monday's their big day. Great to see racing back at Kaikoura because this time last year we didn't have it there because of um, the earthquake damage and COVID, two, two reasons. So they have a big cup meeting there on Monday. And then after all of that, we shake out and work out who races in the IRT New Zealand Cup the following Tuesday. So lots of pieces still to be put together for the cup carnival, including the cup trial on Wednesday. And it's one of the most open and confused cups I've seen in the last 20 years which is really good because it means punters have options to back any horse in the race and probably depending on where they shop get their five dollars for them to win that's extremely rare for a harness race
4: yeah extremely rare is it it's also extremely rare to have a, a harness racing horse named after you uh, mick when, when did hot and treacherous get its name and and, and uh, <laughs> are you are you a part owner as well
12: no i'll tell, tell you what i'm not funny enough um, jokes about my name aside and my ego, um, I reckon he'll win tonight. I reckon he'll beat copy that. I, I actually had a few mates text me this morning, Steve, and they were saying, like, you know, what are you tipping? I said, look, Hot and Treacherous is off a 50-metre handicap and the same race as copied that. But if he stays in front of them, he gets tactical advantage. So, ironically, <laughs> he's the horse I'm tipping for the weekend. Um, it's a weekend where we're going to have Massive racing coverage on SENZ. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow morning from 8 o'clock, Louis Herman Watt and I will be doing uh, the mail run, talking about a ginormous day out of Flemington with New Zealand favourites and two group ones over there. Then the boys will rock into the good oil from 1 o'clock. And then at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, we'll Connor and I will do trots talk, giving you all the winners for the weekend coming up for the harness racing at Kaikoura both Sunday and Monday. So we have a massive weekend. Of racing coming up on SENZ. if you feel like loading up the account, maybe have your $10, bet responsibly on Hot and Treacherous tonight at Cambridge in Race 7.
4: Loving it, loving it. There you go, Mick Guerin with us uh, from uh, Trots Talk and from the Mail Run. Lots of racing this weekend, both Harness and Thoroughbred. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Sam Hewitt.
2: The voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: That's five away from midday. Sam Hewitt joins us, of course, uh, a man who does all our Warriors commentary and uh, talks uh, the big game with uh, Tony Kemp on a Wednesday at three as well. Uh, Mate, uh, Spark Sport this weekend, Rugby League, World Cup. We've got got the last round of group games. How excited
11: are you? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm actually very excited for um, particularly obviously the Kiwis because and (laughs) the Kiwis and the Aussies. Ricardo, because the Kiwis uh, on Saturday morning, uh, 7.30 kickoff, the uh, live on Sparksport, of course, going up against Ireland, and me and Kimby talked about this on Wednesday, very important game for the Kiwis because they haven't fired yet, they're not at 100%, um, this is as close to a full-strength squad as they're going to get. They have to put a, a complete 100% performance together this game because... Man, we're two games away from playing Australia, Ricardo, and you have to be at your absolute peak playing them. We went into this tournament thinking that we would be ready, f- you know, fit, um, cohesive, and Australia would struggle because they haven't played in three years. It's been the opposite. Australia have been absolutely top of their game. We've been struggling to find ourselves a little bit. So that's why I think that game on Saturday morning is actually very important for us it's, heading into quarters and semis.
4: Yeah, it's an interesting one with. Um you know, DWZ sitting this one out, and also Sebastian Chris, who I thought went really well. Yep. I mean, I would rather have Chris at centre rather than Britta Cora. Nothing Correct. against Brit but mm-hmm. I mean, he's more a second row than at centre. I
11: agree, and I think Sebastian Chris has been the best centre for us in the first first two games, well, the best player for us in those first two games. So I do agree. the The interesting one we talked about just off here is Australia. Yeah. Um, and they are playing Italy, of course, Sunday morning at seven thirty. So both those games not too early for you to wake up and uh, you know have a cuppa, put the rug on and uh and and. Park up watch some spark sport but Australia's team very interesting Ricardo because I just said how important it is to go into the quarters and semis with momentum you just need to be playing your full strength squad at this at this stage yep. in the in their positions Mal's just completely it's like he's drawn the the pull balls out of the out of the <laughs> it hat. Is,
4: it is, mate. I mean, he's got. We all thought it was either DCE or Cleary with yep. Munster, and yep. no, Munster's having a rest, and DCE's playing standoff, and Bizarre. Cleary's playing seven.
11: Bizarre, and especially when the kicking game has almost been non-existent at this World Cup because yeah. these short fields, the compact, tight end goals, the kicking hasn't been as important as it is when they're playing NRL. I wonder if Mal's just um, confused like the rest of us with these jersey numbers and was really, just I, to be honest he doesn't know where he's
4: supposed to put them well when when they release the team you know they do a team sheet um, that they put out on Twitter they do a graphic yes it wasn't even in, in, in positional order was it order. An alphabetical no, order no it wasn't an alphabetical it oh, wasn't a number my, order oh what was but it it's, so I was like well I don't know because I was looking <laughs> at it going that looks like Jerry Evans is playing centre I was trying to make head and tail I, c- I couldn't I had no idea what was going on oh
11: my gosh Yeah, um, it, it's a very I think it's a disjointed side considering that you know they're, they're I mean, they'll win this game. They'll win the quarter final, and then it'll be a hard game against the Kiwis. You think that they'd be putting their full strength squad together right now? But anyway, we've got all the Rugby League World Cup obviously over the weekend on Spark Sport. Um, a couple of other ones floating around as well. Mm. Ricardo Women's World Cup. That's a big one. Um, we've got the quarter finals. New Zealand are playing Wales uh, Saturday evening. Um, France are taking on Italy. And then on the Sunday, we've got England, Australia, Canada, USA. Which Canada-USA is going to be actually quite a quite a good game actually,
4: too. Actually, I'll tell you the other game to, to watch out for. And I had uh, an English rugby journalist, Sam, by the way, who's down here. He hosts a uh, a women's rugby podcast and and, and writes uh, exclusively on the women's game. And that France-Italy game, Italy are paying $9 at the TAB, right? Sure. They beat France last time they played each other. Did they? And he said they're kind of France's bogey team. Um, oh, right.
11: Well, there yeah, Nine the, bucks. Yeah. He
4: said that's – you know, he says France should win – but they're not. Italy aren't nine dollars. Aren't nine dollar outsiders nah. because they they won last time. And the French have lost one of their best players as well. They got a couple of niggling injuries. So if you've got a spare, you know fiver that yeah. you found out on the back of the couch, you could. There's worse places you could put it.
11: Yeah, in the words of McGarren, pay for your coffees for a week. Um, what else have we got on uh, Formula One in Mexico? Uh, Good times in Mexico. It's just uh, you know seven it's o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning. a great time in morning. Mexico, mate. Always a great time in Mexico. Um, and just by the by, uh, the FIA is about to release the punishment for Red Bull their overspending the cap last year. Yeah. That's about to come out. I think either today or tomorrow, um, which is going to be very interesting for whether that affects you know Max and uh, and like yeah, Chico, sorry, che- um, yeah, che- yeah. which is home Grand Prix for him, um, heading into. The Sunday Grand Prix. So look, lots of sport on as always, Ricardo. Over the weekend on Spark Sport, give it a nudge. I think you can still do your seven-day free trial. Yeah, don't have to sign up for any terms. So you can get it for a month, and then see how you feel. Yeah, I mean,
4: you know, this November on Spark Sport, there's the Rugby World Cup, there's the Rugby League World Cup Finals, there's the Black Caps in there, there's Champions League, of course, and more, and I know a, a proud Liverpool fan who, they just sneaked in with a 3-0-1 win uh, in Holland uh, the other day, is Mark Watson. Uh, what are you you're in after midday, mate? Have a great show, great to see you in the, in the studio.
11: What on earth are you wearing? Can, Can you tell me where Sheriff is, mate. Ricardo? Never heard a Sheriff yeah. before Where is life?
4: Sheriff, mate? Sheriff Turris Bowl, they're on their way out of Europe, that's where they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on their way out of Europe <laughs> after, after the, the- 3-0 this morning. The glorious Manchester United. Uh, I haven't got the history channel. How much does that cost? Sometimes needing new tyres can
10: catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.